0: Welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about Season 4, Episode 1, The Freshman. And we're starting off this brand new season with a brand new guest. Yay! Yay. Caroline! Hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. So I'm guessing by now you know the drill. So tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how and when you started watching Buffy, and why the show is important to
1: you. Oh, well, I discovered your podcast on Facebook and I was really excited that it was one that did not care about spoilers. Um, (laughs) I completely understand the other kind for people who are watching for the first time. Um, But for people like me who started watching 25 years ago, (laughs) it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get to it. (laughs) <laughs> so I I was nine when the show debuted, and there were certain things I that went right over my head. Um, I did not figure out Willow was a lesbian until Xander said Tara's your girlfriend, <laughs> 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 or whatever label you want to apply. Yes, um, my, my point being that obviously I rewatched it many times since, and so Buffy is my first. Uh, I guess you would say fandom in terms of like reaching out to Mm -hmm. your community, not just like in my own head or like play acting with friends or something on the playground. Um, it was, I went to a girl's school, like, yes, uh, I did not go to, it was not a Catholic school. It was secular, but you know, uniforms, kilts, hockey field sticks, hockey field knees, whatever it is the Buffy calls it all that kind of thing. Um, so I, it, watching things that took place in American high schools was, you know, like a nature documentary of exotic (laughs) behaviors. All those teen movies were teaching me that no one seems to have backpacks. Everybody carries the books in front of their chest for some reason. Classes last five minutes. No one has any homework. We had too much homework. Like there would never be a slayer at my school. She would just, she would There was no way she was going to have the time for it. And she even like it even took her a while to try to figure out how to balance it. Exactly. Um, But getting back on topic. So like I started going on the Internet in 2001 um, and that's when I was like, oh, my God, there's other people talking about this. (laughs) And uh, uh, so I was. I became a frequent commenter slash lurker on the television without pity forum. Oh, yay. So there's a lot of fandom terminology that I still, that I retain from that. Um, and, Comments from those really long recaps back when everybody seemed to have a bit more of an attention span. <laughs> if they be they would be like fourteen pages long. Oh yeah, and yeah. They would not be like five hundred words, TLDR. Yeah, and and then we were, there would be all the boards and everything would be commenting and questions and everything. So I'm I I can definitely bring up here like some contemporary reactions, I suppose, not necessarily to this specific episode, but other ones. And um, yeah, so I I live in Canada, um, Ottawa, Ontario specifically, and uh, really looking forward to this.
2: See, I like it's 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 fantastic that you bring up about having American television because our television is really wild sometimes. (laughs) I mean, when you it's it's always good to get an outsider's perspective on how Things that we take for granted in our, yes, like, yes. And, and the great part, like the great part about this show too, I mean, cause Mary and I were in high school when it happened is some of the stuff, like the way that people walk through the school, like I, like, did you have people just able to come into your schools?
1: Um, no, <laughs> they had to sign in at the front, uh, at the front desk. I suppose you could just technically, there weren't like, yeah, yeah, cameras. Yeah. Yeah. Uh people would have noticed if it was just like a random grown man yeah. or something. Um we you know we had male teachers as well. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But like the whole thing about Wesley just Oh, yes. My um m- my headcanon for that is that Giles says I've got a PhD student he's doing like a thesis. I'm like helping him out with work experience like masters of library science something like that. And Snyder's so like, yeah, That's yeah, whatever, just so long as you don't bother me with your library crap. I
2: like, yeah, I like that. I, I like, mm-hmm. I like how he had, like, he probably had this whole thing yeah. planned out, and sure. then Snyder's like, I don't care.
1: Yeah, like the Watchers Council comes up with all kinds of documents and certificates that they can whip up for him, not for Buffy to help her out in any way. No, no no, 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 we no. we,
2: we want to take care of the the male the, adult we yeah, don't want to
1: son of roger Wyndham price yeah our uh, golden boy we're going to make sure that he's not arrested for being a creep or anything yeah um, yeah but I, I had a point um yeah so buffy is very formative to my brain and <laughs> uh the creator as as we call him yes um I'm not, I'm somebody who is grossed out by things that he's done and said. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's not Harvey Weinstein, but at the same time, I'm like, nobody should have to pay him to be famous anymore. And, but I can't help it that he's built parts of my brain, essentially. That's
2: exactly it. Exactly it. And it's, it's something that like, it it was a very formative experience for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And that's. One of the reasons why we want to do this podcast and talk about what it means, and also to honor everybody else who worked on it, exactly because they put their hearts and souls into it. Mm-hmm. All of the the writers who did so many fantastic episodes, you know, it's it's important to still acknowledge the work that they did. Yes, and try to up we uplift them as much as possible, mm-hmm. and you know he's. It wasn't just him.
1: Yeah, the Buffyverse is is not a novel. It has novels in the (laughs) wider, expanded universe. It has video games. It has everything. Uh, But it's not just... He is the director and writer of this episode, so it will have to come up. But one of the reasons why I have to punctuate sincere moments with a quip is because of him. Mm Yeah. But also a lot of my more nuanced mature thinking happened because of him because of like speeches and lie to me about how the world is not white hats and and black hats Mm -hmm. and so the fact that he was able to write these characters and this dialogue and these plot lines that are better than him Mm -hmm. like he fell short of that i know he's capable of thinking that way but wasn't capable of acting that way always. He wasn't able to be Giles, basically. Like- he, wasn't, he
2: wasn't able to be the person that he wrote about.
1: Yes. No one can be Giles. No one can be. <laughs> Exactly. Yes, I should say up front, he is my favorite character. Um, <laughs> he imprinted oh. on me. Oh. Not, not like Jacob on that fetus. but <laughs> <laughs> So I, I do, I can, oh, I can almost always defend Giles with like, for whatever mistakes he makes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, do, I think that his character has held up the best. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, and, and, and you listen to the podcast, so you know yes. how Mary and I feel
1: about Giles. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. it It's, um, uh, yeah. So I, he, the, this show and the fandom at large taught me about like opera and, television shows that were airing before I was alive, uh, philosophy, <laughs> culture, science. Uh, it just introduced me to so many different subjects and about story structure, mm-hmm. tropes, um, pr- uh, writing, characters, all these kind of arcs, everything. Yeah. And it's, it's the ur the er text for me, basically, in terms of media and pop culture besides The Simpsons.
2: Yeah, and, and the, like, turning turning tropes on their head and doing yeah it's it's there yeah there is so much like you could do a full college course on and they do
1: yeah i was gonna say i'm pretty sure they do now Yeah. yeah i went to three different universities for my undergraduate for long story but not once did i find a course on buffy i wish. I I mean, I I don't say I would have been the A student because I still would have, like, procrastinated and forgot to write the paper. But if it was all in-person participation, making a presentation, Mm -hmm. then my ADD would have, like, kicked into overdrive, but in the best way. Yeah. And I would have really annoyed that professor and been like, um, actually. Make
2: make them regret their life choices.
1: Yes. Like, oh, boy, I hope someone got fired for that blunder level of nerddom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But yes, so I did manage to write an exam question about Buffy in a history course. That's my educational background is all history, specifically public history uh, that we get in documentaries, films, monuments, Civil War reenactments, all that kind of thing. And I did learn some history from Buffy, also some very wrong history. (laughs) Uh, I, I specialize in classics a lot, so like Diana, goddess of love, that was like, um, excuse me, yeah. but I can justify the show that the spell goes wrong because she's wrong yeah. goddess.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And when when um when Ethan brings up Yanis, like it's mm-hmm. not a
0: that's a lot closer though. Yeah. It's, yeah. At least but it's, it's two faces. Yeah. It's two faces. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh, Ethan Rain. <laughs> oh. Amazing. All right. So a few announcements, Um, some fun stuff, some not so fun stuff. (laughs) Um, So the, I guess as they, as I will always call it the Buffyverse as they're calling it now, the Slayerverse, the Slayerverse uh, continues to grow. Apparently we are getting now another AU offshoot. I don't know if it's like one issue of the comic that's going to play into bigger things, but Fred is the slayer and living Buffy's life because Buffy died and now she's gonna come back as a zombie. And like crazy things are happening in the comics. I'm here for it. <laughs> crazy things are happening in the comics. Uh, we also learned this week Emma Caulfield will be returning for the Agatha Harkness show, <gasps> she will be reprising her WandaVision character. Love yes. her. So, so excited about that. But uh, still on Emma, the little bit of sad news is Emma also announced this week that she has been officially diagnosed with MS. Oh,
2: yes. I miss that. Yeah. So,
0: but, but, you know, she's a fighter. So she's going to she's going to do what she can. And like, obviously, she's she's doing fine right now because she's still working. She's still acting. Mm-hmm. She's taking on this new show. And I know she said that, like, I think she's had the health problems for a while so finally having that diagnosis was a huge step forward because like now she knows what's what going she, on yeah. with her and
2: what, what what has to be done so
0: yeah so so it was a it's an interesting week of announcements But all right, let's talk about the freshman, which aired October fifth, nineteen ninety nine. So, like for once, we're almost in line. Oh yeah, yeah, we're we're here. Uh, That's that's kind of amazing. Our synopsis is: the Slayer and friends face their biggest challenge—college. Buffy tries to adjust to classes and living away from home while keeping her identity secret. But it gets difficult when students start disappearing, and she has to investigate. Again, pretty straightforward. Not fair. Yeah. So do we have international titles?
2: We do have some this week. In Czech, we have Novice, French, Disappearance on Campus. Oh. Hungarian, The University. (coughs) Portuguese, The Fresh Woman. (laughs) Romanian, Rookie. Okay. And Spanish from Spain is Welcome New Students.
0: Well, there
1: we go. I like the fresh woman. Yeah. I do like the fresh woman. Yeah, yeah.
0: Again, I understand it's like freshman, fresh woman, but I like to hear it as
1: fresh oh, woman Like the fresh prince of Bel Air. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the
2: fresh woman of Sunnydale.
1: God damn it. <laughs> I'm gonna end
0: up naming it that now. I hate you so much. <laughs> I hate you. I'm gonna make you walk to the mountains. <laughs> I
2: have my car. I can drive. Damn it. Okay.
0: <laughs> we begin in a cemetery where Buffy and Willow are going over the course catalog while waiting for a vamp to rise. Because, you know, they're sitting, not really, patrolling. So we can assume they're waiting. Willow reads off a few options, none of which really seem to appeal to Buffy. And the one that does conflicts with Psych, And so Buffy toys with the idea of dropping it, something Willow is strongly against. Not only can she use it as her science credit... But Professor Walsh is world-renowned, which leads Buffy to wonder, how does one become renowned? Do you need to be noun-ed first? It is ingrained in my brain to say that line anytime the word renowned comes up. Mm-hmm. Of course. Why, yeah. like, why would you not? <laughs> exactly. Continuing her search, Willow comes across Images in Pop Culture, a class where they watch TV, movies, even commercials for credit. Fun fact! I took that course. <laughs> Yay.
1: Did you have an asshole professor who kicked you out? Oh, I did not. We're going to talk oh, about know, that scene later. I, I hold off yeah. for now. That's, that's, that's you
0: know, matter, the trauma. The drama. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Um, I didn't, but I did. Maryland offered it as part of their American Studies class. I don't remember a lot of it. I do remember I did write a paper on Buffy. Yeah. And uh, I wrote a paper on Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, that's that's pretty much like what I remember of that class. But to be fair, I do not remember a lot of college Mm -hmm. that doesn't deal with this one professor, Professor Fleeker, who I am sure as we talk more about college this season, I will (laughs) talk about Professor Fleeker because she was like, she was a legit Lord of the Rings scholar. Oh, Oh. Um, like, I believe talk to someone involved with the movies. She wrote several books, like novels and otherwise. Mm -hmm. She would go on trips to the Amazon. Like, this woman was Giles and McGonagall rolled into one, and I believe she could call down the mystical forces. (laughs) Um, but she taught like myth making. She taught like authoring and legend. It was in her classes that I met G. Um, so, like, the, really, what I remember about college is this woman's class. Everything else, uh, yeah.
2: yeah. I I remember I remember one of my uh, my advanced placement comp class. That's for the same reason.
1: Yeah, at one of my universities, because I do have to be plural there, <laughs> not because I have multiple degrees. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a like a Tolkien class, but it was like third year and you had to be an English major to do it. And I had not gone into English major. I did take English courses, but it was like ruining reading for me, where it was oh. you you gotta read books, you a lot of books you don't want to read. Yeah. And this is before I discovered uh, audible.com. Shout out to them, even mm-hmm. though you don't. Have Uh, But I feel like I owe them more than the money I actually pay them every year uh, because then there would have been a lot of time saving for me and maybe I could have been an English major that way. Mm -hmm. I wasn't English. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you didn't let it get to you, uh, the the overanalyzing. I just ruined TV and movies for myself that way now.
0: Oh, there are days when my English
1: major shows. Uh, so she okay. just ruins movies for herself. So
0: yeah. I just ruined movies for myself because I'm like, oh, I figured out. There a lot of times now when we're watching stuff, I do the I've seen TV before.
1: <laughs> I know where this is going. Yeah,
2: there at this day and age, a lot of times there's no surprises.
1: Yeah. But what I really hate is when creators, like say the creators of Game of Thrones or something, they're so determined to subvert your expectations that they don't they don't want the audience to guess what's gonna happen. So they're like, Well now we gotta change everything. It's like, but you've been setting everything up to lead to this. Or like the the new Star Wars movies, that the sequels specifically, I mean, that they're like, We don't want people to know what's gonna happen. It's like, buddy, it's it's like poetry, it rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay if we can figure out Redemption arcs and stuff, and who's gonna die? Oh. And who's gonna be related oh. to other. It daughter.
0: was so clear in the Force Awakens that she was Luke's daughter. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, like Obi Wan's
1: granddaughter. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah.
0: Or like, um, so nobody. That's we also- could do a
2: whole. We could do a whole uh, bonus episode on yeah. Mary. Mary and I have considered doing a
1: Star Wars podcast. <laughs> I'm literally wearing a necklace I got at the Ottawa Comic Con this year. It's a little blue lightsaber with a little medallion that says "May the Force be with you."
2: Yeah, um, my, my
0: pajamas say
2: my t shirt. My t shirt right now is Obi Wan in pink and a heart, and it says "You're the Obi Wan for me."
0: Oh my god, <laughs> what have
1: we all done? We <laughs> up. I
0: like how I'm in my Star Wars PJ. And Look at him. Look, like and it's the
1: mullet. <laughs> it's,
0: <laughs> I like wrapped in my haunted mansion like wallpaper print sweater with my haunted mansion blanket.
1: Yeah. Well, because of my bias for mentor characters. Yeah. Um, I thanks, Giles. I yeah. guess <laughs> oh, That's where it stems. Oh my oh, god. Oh, I'll oh, start. I'm, I'm packing here. Yeah. <laughs> Obi-Wan has to be my favorite, uh-huh. and uh, any other if if I'm not into the mentor character doesn't have to be like sexually. I just mean like has to be my favorite character. or else I'm just not that into this fandom. So like with Harry Potter, Dumbledore never won me over. And it wasn't just the constantly endangering children (laughs) aspects. It was just like he was so cryptic and there was like no personal life until that other creator who shall not be named started. Oh, by the way, he's gay. Yeah, that might have been interesting. Um, So, yes, that's why I never really got into the Harry Potter fandom other than just reading the books once. But yeah.
0: Uh, I was huge (laughs) in the Harry Potter fandom for a while and then everything was awful and there
1: were awful people in the Harry Potter fandom and people ruin
2: fandoms all the time
1: they do as we know from Star Wars yeah and the Lord of the Rings stuff going on right now oh yeah Yeah. 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 (laughs) we're all very
0: concerned about the skin color of a fictional mermaid
1: (laughs) yeah mermaids, elves, dwarves uh, hobbits or proto-Hobbits, uh, anything like that. It's like they're not—they're not real people. You don't. Podca- have
2: to- Here, our next podcast idea: fandom ruins everything.
1: As Tolkien himself said, I highly dislike allegory, so that means not everything is a one-to-one comparison to Earth history. Yeah. <laughs> And the fact that the fact that oh, it's a fictional universe, but God forbid we have black people, and we've only seen in those original movies like one quarter of that planet mm-hmm. world, rather. And you know, like I bet that there's an equator. Uh, I know that it's not shaped the way our Earth is. Sorry, but sorry, I'm going so far off topic. But That's Melanin probably still applies. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. People move. They have an Atlantis that's definitely like a, a metropolis of all kinds of different seafaring peoples.
2: Yeah. People <laughs> just can't they like they just can't accept other people existing.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right, we have to start this episode. <laughs> I'm 30 seconds in. <laughs> We're doing real well.
0: Uh Buffy wonders how she missed that one, and Willow tells her that she did kind of wait until the last minute on her course selection. Okay, miss, I chose my major in play group. (laughs) Protesting, Willow says she just doesn't like to be caught unawares. Ironic, as the vampire they were waiting for is currently rising behind them while they chat. (laughs) In her defense, Buffy says she's been busy. It's been a slightly heavy summer, which hasn't left a whole lot of time to think about life at UC Sunnydale. Which, according to Willow, is a whole five miles away from where oh. they normally hang out. <sighs> Which is going to raise a lot of questions later. <laughs> like, Buffy's the slayer. She's got wicked stamina. But she also does not have a car. So does she walk the entire five miles home each time she goes?
1: There must, she, Sorry, yes? there must be like a public transportation system that we never see.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, Sander did mention the bus in Homecoming, and so that was my next question. Yeah. yeah. Does Buffy use Sunnydale Public Transportation? Because there's probably a whole host of demons hanging out on the Sunnydale Public Transit
1: system. <laughs> <stuff. laughs> As we saw that shuttle from the airport in Never Kill a Boy on the first date.
2: Yeah. Look, this we, we've discussed this so often, but the way that this town is set up and the way that <laughs> everybody moves from one place to another mm-hmm. it makes no sense
1: it's like springfield it has an elastic geography yeah i'm not gonna get mad about cordelia's comment about being a one starbucks town because <laughs> that she's got bias there she wants to be in a big city like la where she ends up uh but the point is that yeah it can fit a university five miles away so that's to translate for fellow Canadians, that's a little over eight kilometers. <laughs> and I actually like went on my Google Maps last night while watching this episode to figure out like, well, how far away was like my university from home? And it's uh, six kilometers or miles. Point is, you know, we're not good at, frankly, the, the conversions. We kind of switch back and forth with everything. Like I measure everything in pounds <laughs> not and feet and inches. But like, I don't know what you mean about Fahrenheit uh, but yeah, My point is that I lived the slightly farther away from my university campus and I did not live on campus when I mm-hmm. went to that school. So Joyce is shelling out the money for these dorms.
2: For yeah, especially take- when you when, when we see what the dorm looks like. I know. And I, like, I always, and I always go back to, yeah, like, like she said, like Cordelia said in the, be, in the beginning, we don't have a whole lot of town. Yeah. But you have an airport, you have a, a, zoo. Un, a zoo, University of California extension. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of town.
1: Yeah. A military so, base. Military, uh,
2: yeah. Like there's, there's a lot going on in Sunnydale.
0: So according to Google Maps... My college was the like closest gate was one point three miles from my my family's house. Yeah, and I'm like, I never would have thought of walking there ever.
2: No, <laughs> I I was like, I was like an hour. I was like forty five minutes to an hour away from my.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I like I could have feasibly commuted every day. Yeah, but because then I did I did classes during during the summer and the winter, and I you know I commuted, but. Yeah.
1: But if you've got like an 8.30 a.m. class. Yeah. Yeah, that's a a bummer. At least the weather is always good in Sunnydale.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. Except for when we need it to be overcast and dreary.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, the vampire continues to crawl out of his grave and the girls continue to chat completely oblivious. Buffy mentions how she's going to have to be secret identity girl again. Something that may prove difficult with a roommate. But still, she's excited. She just needs to stay sharp. Keep her wits about her. <laughs> the end of the scene is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. perfect gag is perfect. The vampire creeps up on them, thinking he's found a meal. And then seeing the weaponry is just like, nope, nope. And <laughs> pieces out, off to find Joe and sign up for blood bag deliveries. <laughs> I mean, good job. I mean, at
2: least he realized when he crawled out that Buffy was not somebody to mess with. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, even... Even if he doesn't know who she is, just the fact that somebody showed up with all of those weapons. He's probably seen a movie before. Oh,
2: yeah. Yeah. And he,
0: he lives in Sunnydale.
2: Yeah. Having
0: missed all this, Buffy turns around and frustrated asks if this guy is ever going to rise. <laughs> credits. Still awesome. We do see a change in the credits. Some new sequences. A lot from the second half of season three, but also some from the upcoming episodes, particularly Fear itself. We'll talk about We'll talk more about those moments when we get there. Um, Giles with the chainsaw. (laughs) Good moment. Good moment. From the credits, we go to UC Sunnydale, or as it is known in the real world, UCLA. (laughs) And the quad, where about a million people are milling about protesting, handing out flyers and swag, directing freshmen, freshmen like Buffy, who it turns out is in the wrong place. as She does not have a yellow folder. Walking through the literal gauntlet of flyers, Buffy tries to find Weissman Hall, but instead finds Willow, who is overjoyed about everything going on. Buffy's more on the overwhelmed side. Asking what flyers she got, Willow tries to initiate a trade, but Buffy just lets her have them all. Turns out neither has met their roommate yet, and Buffy has yet to get her ID. Willow got hers that morning. The lines were super long. Buffy really should have gone earlier. Why did they not go together? Uh I like... I wonder that every time I watch this episode. I also wonder why they didn't just ask to be roommates.
2: Yeah, well, the thing is, I, I know, at least from from my experience in college, your first, sem- like, we couldn't ask for roommate. We couldn't ask for a roommate your first semester. Like, my, my first semester in college, you were assigned to whoever they put you with. Oh,
0: I know. Well, I didn't live on campus. And also, Memphis.
2: like, also this... This begin like this episode is just to demonstrate how out of her league Buffy yeah. is.
0: I don't know. And I understand everything in this episode is for a plot point, but like I didn't live on campus. Jackie did. And they went to a school in St. Mary's, Maryland. And Jackie and our friend Kat were roommates. So like you absolutely yeah. could request a roommate. And with Buffy being the slayer and needing to like have <laughs> weapons and shit in the room, you think it would have made perfect sense that her and Willow
2: yeah. And I mean and we'll see we'll we'll see later that that Willow is going to be able to move in, but I think again it just depends on the university. Like I my first semester I couldn't say I want to live with this person. Now my second semester then I moved in with a friend of mine.
1: I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Willow uh, had been accepted to all of the universities. Yeah. And, like, offered a full ride to all of the so called best ones. So she had been accepted just by, like, walking in the door and saying, Hi, my name is Willow Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, Here you go. Everything is taken care of for you. Everything you're signed up for, everything. And then Buffy, last minute, applied to UC Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. She was floundering for very good reasons. So it's like, Oh, sorry. Everything's been assigned here's your last room with the person nobody wants to read. <laughs> oh, Kathy. I'm actually kind of like, let see if you can request a roommate at UCLA. Like <laughs> this is, just is the knowledge the audience is asking for.
2: This is what we do. We give them if what they both, want.
0: So, okay. So there there may be something. If the whole UC system runs on this, then maybe. But they seem to have, they're in the same building though, so. Yeah. If you have both been offered to the same building and room type, then you can mutually request one another on the housing application, and we should be able to assign you the same room in August. So they both said they were going before graduation in May. Yeah. So they should have been able, by UC rules, to request each other as a roommate. Also, this is
2: now again, but also we have to think about the fact that this came out in 1999.
1: That's true. And we're in 2022.
2: So it's just because a lot of, you know, a lot of things may have changed between...
1: Yeah, Willow wrote this with her quill pen on parchment. Yeah. Sent it with a seal by Pony Express.
2: You know, sometimes it does feel that way when I think back to the
1: 90s. Yes. As I said, I do remember this time pretty vividly, despite not being in high school or university. And yeah, I have older cousins who are kind of like my sister's. So, they're like around the same age as Buffy. So, they introduced me to all the teen movies and all the geek stuff. <laughs> My parents are too normal yes. to yeah. get into. Uh, so, I sometimes feel a little crossover with Gen X and older millennials, too. But yeah.
0: But still, like, okay, housing thing aside, they apparently went to go see the campus together. Why wouldn't they have, like, gone to
1: orient because the plot says so plot I mean, because I willow, willow is in
2: her willow is in her element she is excited about all this buffy spent three years trying to find her place in in high school and now she's starting basically starting all over at the beginning you, again can plot we just mary cut
1: this poor girl some slack
2: no no she's the slayer she has to suffer
1: yes or else Constantly. we don't have a show if she's yes not a show.
2: exactly we don't have plot
1: yeah we don't have plot if she like goes to her friends and tells them how she's feeling pretty soon after she starts feeling bad and doesn't keep secrets from them because poor communication kills
2: yeah and also also she does try to talk to people I yeah. mean she tries to go talk to Giles and well we will get to that <laughs> <laughs>
0: <for lunch laughs> we, will, we will get to Giles okay let's start let's start moving towards Giles let's,
2: yes please
0: Buffy says hopefully she will learn from that experience and grow, which has Willow fearing that she's being annoying. No, no, Buffy thinks it's cute. She's excited. Willow says it's just that in high school, learning was pretty much frowned upon. And here (laughs) there's this energy, this like throbbing, pulsing energy, just thrusting into her and spurting its knowledge. And yeah, that that sentence ended up somewhere very different than where it
1: started. Also less innocent than a couple of months before when this would have been not with experience. What am I saying here? Oz and Willow have been doing it all summer. Yes. <laughs>
2: yes. They had a lot of time over the summer to spend time together.
0: <laughs> Buffy gets it. She's all for the spurty knowledge. She just <laughs> feels a bit overwhelmed. Willow doesn't feel that way at all. Before Willow can say too much on the subject, she spots Oz, her official on-campus boyfriend. Buffy forgot to pick one of those up. She bets the line is for those is pretty long now, too. <laughs> He greets the girl saying, "Saying this whole thing? Pretty much a madhouse. Yes! Buffy was just saying that to Willow. He feels it, right? The disorientation? Before Oz can respond, he's greeted by another student who is super stoked to see him finally matriculating with them. It's playing this week, right? Thursday night? Alpha dealt. Excited, Willow holds up a flyer. She has that one! <laughs> the student then asks where the work-study applications are, and Oz points him in the right direction. Off Buffy's look, he says... This band plays there a lot, but still this is all very new, very strange. No idea what's going on. And then he greets Doug.
1: <laughs> One of my favorite jokes in the background is what do we want? When do we want it now? Wow. Yeah. The constant barrage of protests and uh, take back the night. Yes. Yeah. Have you accepted your Lord and savior, Jesus Christ? And I've got really busy. Oh, it's just peak creator writing of the constant background chatter that builds this world and Mm -hmm. uh, feels timeless.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's a good point because a lot of, it feels real. It feels like you're taking a peek into an actual college campus where people are milling about, they're doing their thing, they're yelling at each other. And that whole chaos of the quad Mm -hmm. of all these different groups
0: fighting for fighting to be heard. Mm. Leaving Oz, the two girls head to the library. Buffy, a bit sad, Giles couldn't just be a librarian there. According to Willow, he's enjoying his life as a gentleman of leisure. <laughs> gentleman of leisure? Isn't that just British for unemployed? Oh, it is. He's totally a slacker now. Which reminds Buffy, has Willow heard from Xander? Not for a while. He's not on the road and apparently will not return till he is driven to all 50 states. She... Told him about Hawaii, right? <laughs> well, he just seems so determined. Buffy just hopes he makes it back soon so they can have the whole gang back together again. Hang out in the... Her words die as they enter the university's library, a massive space that is nothing at all like their former cozy headquarters. Though Buffy does, ironically, call it cozy when Willow begins waxing poetically. She didn't want to hurt Giles' feelings, but occult books aside, their old library just wasn't cutting it. As they're shushed, Willow's smile only grows. See, they even have to whisper. Whole new world. We go from those books to a whole different set of books. The girl's now textbook shopping. I used to love textbook shopping.
1: (laughs) That's my absolutely favorite part. Yeah, this does make you think how much you're going to miss the library. I know that, I mean, I have not heard your graduation part two recording yet because it's not released, because you just did it. (laughs) Uh, But I know that the cast like let up a cheer when the set was supposedly blown up. I don't know how real that was, because they would have to sit there and listen to poor Anthony Head have to exposit all the time. And like, reset, take two, again, all the whole thing. And it's like, Because I'm not experiencing that way, I'm like, how dare you ungrateful (laughs) sounds not appreciate the library set and all of its myriad applicability and character moments and levels for blocking and staging and making interesting angles and all the nooks and crannies and shadows and everything. (laughs) And we don't have an equivalent to that for the next four seasons. No, no other like just
0: hanging out at Giles's house.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so at least that's so that's like library light. It has books. It has his personality and his tea and everything. But they can't train in there. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. I. I. I was. I'm very sad. We are very. We're very sad about the destruction of the library. I just. I would have. I would have just sat there and listened to Giles. Yeah. He could have talked all day. It'd be fine. Yep. Yeah. As Blue comes up with a basket, Buffy puts her books inside. She can't wait till her mom gets the bill. She hopes it's a funny aneurysm. <laughs>
3: oh.
1: Oh, I, you
0: know, At the time, we were like, ha-ha, oh. now
1: we're like, what? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. This is why TV Tropes literally calls it a funny aneurysm moment. <laughs> that is something that maybe was not necessarily set up as foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, it feels like, were you doing that on purpose, you bastard? There are so many moments in this show. Yeah, it's all fun and mm-hmm. games until someone loses an eye. Yeah, yep. that's
0: my favorite one. I'm like, did we? Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: Did we know? Yeah, there are a lot of brain tumors moment characters with brain tumors. And that's that's where you know, that's one
2: of my my uh, Marty Knoxon moments where when I break into her house and I'm sitting at her dining room <laughs> table with my list of things I wanna ask her <laughs>
0: They walk along the shelves attempting to locate the books they need, and as it turns out, they're stacked on the very top of the shelf. Because of course they are. Deciding that the store discriminates against short people, those mm-hmm. protests were about next week. Yeah. Buffy attempts to get them only to have them fall on a moderately attractive man's head. Like <laughs> I said he was moderately attractive. Okay. You know what?
2: I Riley is that nineties attractive. He's got the
0: floppy
1: hair. Yeah.
0: It could be worse. I could do Panda's thing and say he's symmetrical.
1: Yes. yes. I, I understand objectively speaking, why people would find him attractive. He's not yeah. an unhandsome person. He just does yeah. nothing for me, even if he had a different personality. He
2: no. he is one of those he is one of those men that if he is in a room with a dozen other men that looked similar. I wouldn't be able to pick out like, like the, those Ryan Murphy Like Ryan Murphy cheese. ones. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. But at
0: least, sorry. How dare they with those means? Because I can always pick Matt Bomer out of I can crowd. always pick
2: Matt Bomer. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Wes Bentley, when he's in that list, like, yeah, he looks like a lot of them. But Matt Bomer, yeah. Don't, don't, don't lump Matt Bomer in with them.
1: Yeah. Riley, uh, sorry, Mark Lucas, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's totally fine. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you are not anti Mark Lucas. not. No,
2: no. He's probably a perfectly nice guy, but he does have that late
1: '90s blandly handsome,
2: like floppy blonde hair. Like he just looked like every yeah. other love interest yeah. in like, that
3: time.
1: He's like Sam Worthington. Yeah, where he's the, he is the lead. In Avatar and so many other, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Pfft. I understand he's good looking, but I just don't get it. Yeah, like, he's not interesting. I don't remember. I, I don't remember his name. Sometimes I only remember him now because Avatar is back the, on the Yeah, time. yeah, and I remember his accent no constantly. That.
2: So yes, here we are. Like if you're a late, ni- if you look like that in the late '90s, we are sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, you were Oops. going to be given. A lead in a show and a movie at least three times.
2: Yes. You probably, you were probably the first love interest (laughs) until the girl realized that love interest number two is the more interesting one. Yes. Probably somebody who was her friend. Yes. We just named like pretty much every teen movie from the 90s in one sentence.
0: Yep. Yeah, I guess that was kind of the whole like thing in the 90s like yeah you wanted it was the formula it It was was, it was the guy you wanted because you cashed on him forever and then you realized you were in love with your best friend yeah now i have the whole two in like love interest thing like formula like locked in my brain forever because of sarah j mass because every single one of her series though she has not done this with crescent city and it's making everybody nervous (laughs) But like both her other series, they're like, This is the love interest. He's wonderful. Don't you love him? Ha ha. He's not the love interest.
1: <laughs> Here is the actual love interest that I've brought in later. And you're just like, uh-huh.
0: God damn it.
1: Yeah. I, I I was built to read the Hunger Games trilogy that way. Mm-hmm. That like this is her childhood best friend. She she's gonna figure out they're meant to be together. Not this new guy who is blonde and muscular and has a unfortunate name and unfortunate shipping portmanteau. <laughs> oh. Cat piss. Yeah.
2: Yeah, poor Pita.
1: Yeah. yeah. <sighs> poor PETA. I mean and she had a like
2: there was a Hemsworth right there.
1: Yeah, there was a Hemsworth right there. A lesser Hemsworth but still a Hemsworth. But still a Hemsworth.
2: <sighs> <sighs> Always
0: choose the Hemsworth. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'll even I will even choose the other Hemsworth that like Ryan plays or- plays
1: Oh the Westwood Hemsworth Yes yeah. he who, who plays Thor in Oh yeah Gale the, the Hemsworth Hemsworth. plays yes. yeah. amazing But yes getting back to the show to be fair to Riley he has some very funny witty lines. He yes, yes. yeah yes. Like
2: for as as the love interest and like the plot he's going to get I'm not a fan of him but I do like yeah. a lot of his moments like and and here in this scene
3: Mm-hmm. and yes. just like,
2: the way that he like his his reaction when the books fall on his head mm-hmm. like just the very subtle it's a very real mm-hmm. reaction
1: because i would be screaming oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah what the fuck <laughs> but then there's a cute girl there so yeah.
0: buffy is mortified and tries to apologize as he gets back on his feet The shelves and short and everything is bad. (laughs) She goes to grab the books from the floor and he offers to help, even putting some of the books on a lower shelf. So are they taking intro to psych or do they just want him dead? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. The first. Buffy clarifies that she means the first. Well, he hopes they enjoy it. Professor Walsh is, she's quite a character. He's taken it. He's a TA. He'll be helping with the class. So does he think they'll be talking about operant conditioning during the semester? Because Willow hears the Professor Walsh's specialty and oh my God, red flag. I mean, it's easy to miss on your first watch through. Oh, yeah. But operant Mm -hmm. conditioning. Yep. Red fucking flag. Even if she was not playing Frankenstein in the basement, that's still some like red room winter soldier shit. Mm hmm. Uh Oh, run, Buffy. Run. Yeah, Run. She does not run. And neither does Willow. She and Riley, because yes, moderately attractive man, does introduce himself sometime during all this. And his name is Riley. Just talk more about Professor Walsh and her work, which Willow finds fascinating. Riley even offers to show where the bookstore has a copy of Walsh's dissertation. Buffy tries to enter the conversation saying that, yeah, psychology is great because, you know... Everyone has a brain. But when that doesn't go over well, she mumbles almost everyone to herself. So Riley Finn, uh, like we just talked about him a little bit, but um, as I prefer to call him, thank you, television without pity, Captain Cardboard. Thank you for bringing up
3: old nicknames. Yep.
0: Oh yeah, that's the one I remember the most. We'll see if I can remember some of the other ones they gave characters, but Captain Cardboard stuck.
2: Yeah, because again, he is just a... Stock character. You could uh, you you could have replaced him with anybody.
0: So he's played by Mark Lucas. Uh, Mark is a Pennsylvania boy. Yes, he is. Born in Butler, then he moved to Erie. He went to Wake Forest University, where he played basketball and tried to get into the NBA. He failed to make it. When he failed to make it, this is my favorite part. He went to Manchester, England, <laughs> and played basketball there for about a year. They have basketball in England? Apparently, this was the first I had heard of this. I was like so excited to learn this. I was like, oh my God, he went to play basketball in England. Uh, After that, he considered law school, but decided to go to acting. And um, this is probably what he is most well known for. But he also did Pleasantville. Uh, He did Necessary Roughness on, I think, USA? USA or TNT. It's one of those shows. Um, but I think I think Mark Lucas is probably best known yeah. for for Riley. So then it's off to the dorm, Stevenson Hall, where Buffy gets to meet her roommate, Kathy. Oh, Kathy! <laughs> oh.
1: I I did not. Uh, sorry, for my first university, I went to University of Toronto. I did live in a dorm because it's five hours away from where I live, and I did not have a roommate. I specifically made myself sound too neurotic to handle one <laughs> in my application. Because of Kathy, I thought, yes, it would be cool to have like a built in sister, but I cannot take the chance that we will want to kill each other. And I need a place to go back to where I know I will be alone in my thoughts and won't have to put up with the artwork and possessions oh. and voice of a person that I would look at with contempt. She said probably.
2: I got stuck with two roommates. My first semester in college, we were literally three people shoved into a one tiny, room? into a, one room. Wow. So the way that, the way that our room was set up is we had the bunk, we had the bunk beds and then Oh, like there was a uh, like against the other wall was a little alcove where the other girl there was another desk and then there was a ladder to have a bunk up top mm-hmm. yeah Maryland
0: mm-hmm. had a lot of dorm rooms that looked so, like that when they tried to shove three people and this, in one
2: this was this was the oldest shittiest of the buildings the name of the building was called Rothermel but everybody called it Rotten Hell
1: <laughs> um my many for one room
2: my one my one roommate my one roommate she was great she was an art student she was cool like at one point my my lap my computer broke and she was letting me use her computer which at that point was an iMac and I was terrified of it because I thought I was gonna break it because I had no idea how to use it but my other roommate really sweet girl from like she's she's actually from like the area that i live now but very sheltered she was one of those girls that got to college and went off the rails like she like was roommate? she was she was one of those girls that with given a little bit of freedom she had way too much freedom she was drinking all the time there were guys knocking at our door constantly like all like cats and heat Like, oh, my God. Like then, like she's bringing the guy, like bringing random guys back, which fine. You know, I don't. That's fine. But can you like give us a little heads up so that I could go (laughs) somewhere else to give you privacy? Like guys were coming into our room. It was was just I don't know where she's at now. I hope she's fine. It's been 20 years. (laughs) Oh, I hope she's okay. So
0: Kathy is just, she is super chipper and super excited and super into this whole college <gasps> thing. And she's glad they put her with someone cool because she can tell Buffy's cool. I love that she's saying this as she's hanging up a Celine Dion poster. We need to talk about that. When <laughs> talk. <laughs> and Buffy's face, it's priceless. Priceless, as is her face when forced to deal with Kathy's snoring. All right, what about the Celine Dion poster?
1: Okay, um... So this is, I know, I thought you might, like, explain who Celine Dion is to the younger people. <laughs> I mean, we you don't
0: can. I mean, would you like to? She is a Canadian national treasure, from what oh, I understand. Oh,
1: I, I would like to very much. Um, <laughs> so Celine Dion is, I guess, like, Canada's poet laureate, in a sense, or our singer laureate, if there's an the equivalent. <laughs> and, you know, she's got thriving career, huge It's been going on for decades now. I think she's still in Vegas. I'm not sure. So she's had a very long career. This is not like an insult to Celine and all of her accomplishments.
2: You don't want want the Canadians to come (laughs) (laughs) you.
1: Yeah. I'm already a bad Canadian because I could not give a damn about hockey. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But so Celine Dion is a true rags to riches story of somebody who grew up. She had like 12 or 13 older siblings and lived in a, a room with several of them far more cramped than you froggy mm-hmm. uh, yeah and was so discovered in like Canada's at version of Dolly Parton yeah in a sense of like Dolly Parton is concentrated America juice <laughs> <laughs> but like only the good stuff you know she's yeah, not yeah. like firing shotguns at <laughs> endangered animals and uh, just being an asshole apparently she's a very good person she's yeah yeah, yeah. She, and
2: the best part but the best part about dolly is when like those the bad parts of our country find out that she is such a good person yeah they're so mad she's like the gays the gay people love me
1: like yeah. i embrace it i love everybody exactly so dolly partner's like captain america as in the ideals that they yeah for. yeah all right so celine Dion she's french canadian and she's Sings with a strong accent, Mm too. Um, But sings like has a crossover appeal. So a lot of stuff from Quebec does not have a lot of crossover appeals. Like Quebec has its own cinema in the sense of French language movies done in the dialect Mm -hmm. that almost never play outside of Quebec but still make their money back and more. And they have their own stars and, you know, it's, it's a nation within a nation as a previous prime minister has said. And um, so Celine is kind of seen as like a champion of somebody who can make it outside of Quebec. And, The thing is that at this time in 1999, she was possibly at her biggest yet because Mm -hmm. of Titanic. Yeah. And it it was played nonstop forever. In fifth grade, (sighs) when Titanic came out for me, people would literally sit in a circle playing that and like swaying back and forth, singing along at recess. Again, it was a girl's school. So, there wasn't a lot to do in terms of, I don't know, fanning out of, I don't know what my point is there, but yeah. So, her, I know that in the original draft, Kathy was supposed to put up a Backstreet Boys poster, not a Celine poster, but I think that this is the right choice. Mm-hmm. That Backstreet Boys poster is almost too popular. This is more of a different kind of annoying.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Especially, like, especially when you consider how annoying my heart will go on was, yeah. like, my, My husband worked at the movie theater when that movie came out and he when he would be ripping tickets like he like I love I love this story. He'd be ripping tickets and telling people the boat sinks, the boat sinks, (laughs) the boat sinks.
1: And there were girls that were getting pissed off at him. Ah, this is like in 2012 when suddenly on Twitter there were all these like children yeah. saying, guys, did you know the Titanic's not just a movie? There's a real boat. And oh like, he, like he would have to clean
2: the theater during the end credits. So he'd That's have just to just hear the crying. song. And then – because he – and he was a senior in high school at the time. Mm-hmm. And they decided that the class song was going to be My Heart Will Go On. no. Because the class president was a girl who loved Titanic. So if you mentioned this, this song to him, like he has a visceral reaction to it. So he also around the same time when uh, the Romeo and Juliet movie came (laughs) out, he would be ripping the tickets going. They both die. They Ah. both die. They both die. And again, people were getting pissed off at him. And he's like, look, it's Shakespeare. There's no spoiler warnings. And also they tell you in the beginning that they both die. So uh,
1: I think I'm kind of platonically in love with your husband. <laughs> he is. Now, Froggy, to be fair, Wendy was very surprised.
0: The boat sank.
2: I remember Wendy. Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: The boat sinks. Mom, this is a true story. Well, I just didn't think they were going to show it. I thought it uh, would just be a nice story about the people who were on it. No, <laughs> no, mommy.
1: No. <laughs> That's a bit yeah. like um like the Marie Antoinette movie by Sofia Coppola. And yeah. Before the revolution really kicks into gear. And you're like, wait, well, is, is there another part? Nope. That's yeah, right. we're, we're just going to leave it there. But yes. What happened to Marie Antoinette? She's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Sorry, one last point about Celine. This is uh, for all those 30 Rock fans out there that <laughs> the the the, ja- the Janis Joplin movie that Jenna Maroney is going to make and then becomes we don't have the rights to her name or her face or her songs or her life story. So it becomes the Jackie job movie about how she like saved the president at Woodstock and everything. Um, there is a version of that that came out this year in Canada. It's called Aline about Celine Dion. The character's <sighs> name is Aline Dieu, which a frog you probably know literally means God. Yeah. yeah. God. Yeah. And so this French woman, Valérie <laughs> Le Mercier, like literally from France, not even from Quebec. Yeah. I could understand if this was like a scrappy little indie movie made in Quebec where you don't have the rights to it. No, no. This woman is like almost 60. She plays Celine or Aline. (laughs) And she plays her at all ages. Oh, my God. So you know that (laughs) freaky Renesme baby CGI? Yes. Yes. They do that. I have not seen this movie. To be fair, this is just something that well, I want to see this, this movie. Her mind over. This was released in every theater in Canada, as far as I know. And so, like, she plays her as like a nine-year-old girl, but like CGI smaller, kind of like that orphan first kill movie. Oh my um, god, Furman! But at least she's like meant to be a freak. Um, oh yeah, I, uh, that she's a killer. And uh, so yes, <sighs> she plays her at all ages and like the songs are Celine-esque and they, the, famously Celine Dion h- started dating her manager, right. yeah, yeah. Angélil, who discovered her when she was 12 mm-hmm. and they didn't start dating until she turned 19 and, you know, they did live, have decades-long romance and he died, well, as an old man when she's not an old woman. Yeah. But, like, they try to make it – he still looks like the real Renee did. They don't try to, like, sexy him up to make him palatable for audiences. So he's, like, balding with a ponytail and a dad bod and looks like the guy you'd keep your 12-year-old daughter away from. But she's played by a 57-year-old woman.
2: Oh, my gosh. This sounds like the most amazing
1: it okay. Is- Bonkers.
0: Okay, so I found the Wikipedia on it, and we're talking about the critical response. And under one of the reviews, Kyle Buchanan from the New York Times shrunk to hobbit size and (laughs) tuned into near oblivion, Le Mercier scampers, preens, and unnerves. I've never seen anything quite like it. Not pen 15 not john c Riley at the beginning of walk hard not even a fully grown martin short playing a psychotic 10-year-old in clifford as a cinematic presence pre-tina lean looks less like our main character and more like she's ready to terrorize Farrah formiga in the next conjuring
1: movie (laughs) speaking of vera formiga movies
0: If they, wait,
1: wait, wait, hold on the movie is
0: like bohemian rapid rhapsody if they shrank rami malik and made him play his own teeth <laughs> have you seen those twitter prompts that ask you to reimagine a classic film with one character replaced by a muppet a reminded me of that except the main character is the muppet and instead of felt, she is made from your nightmare. Oh mean, my God, I need to watch this film now. I need
3: everyone to know about it. I'm reading, I'm
2: looking at a review on RogerEbert.com from
1: Sheila O'Malley and <laughs> just, oh my God. The joy, this is brought to us. Once you have seen this uncanny fucking Valley movie, or just like the images from it. You will never sleep again. And I needed everyone else to know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. You need to share trauma with your friends. Uh,
1: that's uh, what we do. Uh,
0: but back uh, to Kathy. Yes. yes. Uh, Kathy, who we will learn tons more about next week is played by Dagny Care, who has done a ton of stuff since leaving Buffy. Uh, George Lopez, Desperate Housewives, Pretty Little Liars, Castle. She's a fantastic actor. She's absolutely hysterical. I love her. I can't wait till next week. I found it.
2: I, I found it. I, we th- we are going to be watching this movie, Mary. I, <laughs> yes. We will We will report back. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Morning brings the first day of class. And I want to talk about this because this scene right here traumatized my anxiety ridden ass. Um, This episode aired when I was still in high school. I had not yet entered college. And I blame this episode and this scene in particular for the absolute terror I felt concerning my first days of college. Mm -hmm. I remember being so anxious and so scared that I literally cried. Oh. I was just so afraid of being lost or not understanding and feeling alone and I really think this episode and the same with the pop culture teach played into that. <sighs> because... Buffy did what most registrar offices will tell you to do, and I know this because I worked in a registrar office mm-hmm. for three years of college. If there's a class you want to get into, but it's full, you go on the wait list, and you attend that class during the drop-add period. Mm-hmm. Totally the
1: right thing to do. Yeah.
0: Buffy does this, and when she's trying to figure out if the class is actually full, she gets yelled at and thrown out of class, told she is wasting everyone's time and sucking the energy from the room. What does not help is this is a true story. hmm do, do you uh, mean that? Like,
1: it happened to jo- to the creator?
0: <laughs> it happened to his friend Joe. Okay. <laughs> his friend Joe was kicked out of class in
1: front of 200 students. Okay, because this scene felt like it was too real. Yeah. Like, this yeah. happened to something like this happened to him or someone he knew. Yep and this is his revenge. This felt like there's a scene in it, the book, where Bill the protagonist, he is in a writing class, he becomes a future novelist mm-hmm. and the professor like hates plots or something. He just like, I don't know, he only wants prose and liter- high fluting language and everything and you know, he shouldn't be enjoying books basically. Yeah. And, like this is Stephen King's revenge against that professor to be like fuck you dude who's the best selling author of all time. But yes, this happened. This kind of happened to me too. I was, I started to take a making documentary classes. Uh, It was like a fourth year history class. So every, it was only like 16 people. And this professor would like make a short historical documentary. And I was, there was no room in the class. When I signed up, I was waiting for someone to drop out. And in the meantime, the, like I was only one in that class who seemed to watch documentaries that weren't just what's lately on Netflix. Humble brag there. <laughs> um, and so, like, I was able to reference some longer form documentaries that predated Netflix, even ones from the seventies. And I had every idea of what I wanted to do for the final project. Um, but this professor did not like me because I was asking about a previous student had to come in to show us her documentary, and I noticed that they weren't like saying in the captions who the people being interviewed were so that you'd know why they're relevant. And I literally, literally knew two people who were in her documentary. It's so like, I knew what their connection was and what their names were, but the class doesn't know that. Like literally a woman in the documentary worked for my parents. And so I had to tell them who she was and why this was relevant. It was talking about like Vietnamese boat people. And the professor was mad because that's spoon feeding to let people know who is the person talking is. And when it came up to, like, the last day, there was a space available in the class, but he just, like, kicked me out. You just wouldn't – he didn't want to deal with me anymore, and that was it. And as you can see, I do talk a lot, but I was not interrupting him. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So. and you, you were also, like, bringing relevant – like, it, it – you have to you, – you're supposed to know, like, yeah, there's, well, like, they should be telling you yeah. why uh, this
1: person's voice is important to yeah. – yeah, the one. It was literally her parents like escaped Vietnam at the end of the war. And I think people are going to want to know at least what her name is, because like you could watch her on the news and everything. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: Like I I mean, when I, like a lot of times watching documentaries, if I see somebody come like their name come up mm-hmm. and I'm Google interested, them. I'm interested in what they're saying, I will Google them and find out more about it, because that's what learning is. You want to learn more about what's happening luckily i never had any kind of any kind of problems with professors most of the professors that i had were like are you here are you doing the work maybe i'm here in the morning i'm a little hungover i know you're a little hungover it's 8 a.m let's just get through the day
1: yeah, oh the casting for this scene and just this guy be thinking he is god. Oh he's yeah. A freshman pop culture course and he's like don't you dare have fun. This Oh yeah. Thing. Yeah,
2: he's he is the he is the type of guy who is very mad at his life. Yeah. Like he uh-huh. wants to be he wants to be doing more. He wants to be at a better university, but because he's such a dick.
1: Yeah. He's uh, like the 1999 equivalent of rate my professor is just uh-huh. like a dick. Don't take this class.
2: Yeah. And then he wonders why people hate him.
1: Yeah. It's like that math professor that was fired at like Columbia or something recently because very few of his students were passing his class Mm -hmm. and then Bill Maher and the other boomers were like oh these kids these days are too soft it's like I know maybe they're traumatized in three years of the pandemic and going into university they haven't developed at the same rate blah 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 the point is if most of your kids are failing that class you're probably a bad professor
2: yeah Yeah. like you have to like there there has to reach a point where as a Professor, you look at the professor and say, OK, well, what is wrong with this? Like I like I had and and it is it's a tough it's a tough thing to do. It's a tough, you know, industry that unfortunately the best people don't always get the jobs. Like right. I had a my French professor, he was native Belgian uh-huh. French speaker and he was not invited back the next year. And then the other person, like the only other option in the French department was somebody who her second language was Russian Mm -hmm. and her third or fourth language was French. So, and she was American. So like giving somebody who was not the best, like it just, it didn't make sense to me. Like I was so mad when this person who was perfect and that I could have conversations with about French culture just wasn't invited back so it's it's a really weird it's a really weird profession
0: yep so this puts buffy on the edge going into her psych class she bumps into riley in the hall who very politely directs her to the classroom but when she asks about his head it seems he doesn't remember her (laughs) at least not right away but he soon puts it together she's willow's friend buffy right buffy he tells her to have fun and she goes to take her seat but first she wants to make sure professor walsh isn't planning on yelling at her or throwing her out of class (laughs) He didn't see it on the lesson plan. She takes a seat beside Willow and Oz and Willow asks how pop culture went. She decided not to take it. It seemed dull. No. Professor Walsh enters, introducing herself and telling them that those who come to be in her good graces will know her as Maggie. Those who don't will know her by the name. Her TA secretly call her behind her back and think she doesn't know about the evil bitch monster of death. <laughs> She runs a hard class, she talks fast, and she expects them to keep up. They want to coast, you suggest geology one-on-one. That's where the football players are, and that's why we call it Rocks for
1: Jocks. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Professor Walsh, it is a first-year psychology class where there's like 300 students in it. You don't need to make this, like, why I deserve to be a professor levels of dissertation.
0: So I don't know about other universities, but psych— Is it Psych 101? Was it the first class or was it like a second class? We had a class in the psych department that was known as a weeder class (laughs) because so many people went in as psych majors. They had to get rid of some of them. Mm -hmm. And so Maggie seems like the kind of teacher that would teach almost the weeder class. Okay, Like, we're we're going to pare this down a bit. Yeah, I feel
2: like, though, like for, for somebody who has her credentials,
0: Oh, she should absolutely be teaching a four hundred level class. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. This this does not seem to be the type of yeah. Like there there's a, there's a weeder class, and then there's what Maggie
1: is doing. <laughs> to be fair, we do find out later she's got a secret full time job. What <laughs> do? Much yeah. like Giles with the library, like it's not that much work at the library at Sunnydale High because he's got a secret. Yeah, life. he's happy with the arrangement. Yeah, but he's a lot nicer. That is true. Even the students coming in looking for books, he's just like, he, he at least knows where they are. Yeah. This is true. This is true.
0: So Professor Walsh played by Lindsay Krause, who actually began her creative life as a modern and jazz dancer. Hmm. Uh, she did Broadway, then television and movies- where she not only did Buffy but also guest starred on shows like Criminal Minds, NYPD Blue, ER. She has in her recent years returned to the stage and just did a limited engagement of a production in 2021.
2: She is good. Like I know as as much as as much as, you know, we're going to really dislike <laughs> Maggie Walsh, I do love her. I love the actress. I love I do love the character for what it brings to.
1: I like having a mature female yes. villain. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time, if there's a female villain, she's either like an old hag, like you know Snow White's witch, or no, mm-hmm. uh, who turns into an old hag. Yeah. Or, uh, or she's like Glory. She's hot, mm-hmm. young, beautiful, or Faith, or something like that. There's very little room for someone like thirty-five to sixty. Yep. Yeah,
2: and, and, and yeah, yeah. She is a, and she's an intelligent woman. Mm-hmm. Like everything and. Everything that she is doing is based on her intelligence and like the whole, all the science. So yeah, it is, it's an, inter- and it's especially an interesting character for a teen drama.
1: Mm-hmm. Is she gets to be a rare Dr. Frankenstein. who is mm-hmm. much more confident than Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs>
2: you leave victor leave victor alone
1: (laughs) he had brain
0: fever several times (laughs) he
2: is he he is allowed to call himself doctor even though he never graduated
0: yeah that's like my favorite meme though (laughs) almost as if mary shelley was but you leave lord byron alone That night, wandering the campus, Buffy runs into another student, literally. And I know we are all dying to talk about is but we're going to wait till the end of the scene. Okay. Sure. All right. All right. I know. I know. I know. We've been talking about being excited about this person for weeks. He asks if she's lost too, and she says, no, no. She's just just headed back to her dorm, which she knows is on the earth. (laughs) She tells him she was recently voted most pathetic. Yeah, because he's lost and he has a map. Oh, she comes in second. She introduces herself and he does the same. Turns out his name is Eddie. They look at the map together, locate their destinations themselves, and figure out they need to head towards the bike path. As they walk, Eddie notices her book. She's taking intro to psych with Professor Walsh. She's trying to. Professor Walsh, she is not afraid of the big words. No, no, she is not. It disappoints Buffy a bit because she had it on good authority that this was a party school. Eddie says he thinks it gets easier. She hopes so because right now she just feels like carrying around a security blanket of human bondage. Huh? <laughs> it's a novel. Has she read it? Oh, no, she's not into porn. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with porn. She just... No, no, no. It's not actual porn. He just... He's read it like 10 times. Keeps it right by his bed. Security blanket. Buffy's not sure she has an actual security blanket. Unless you count Mr. Pointy. Mr. Pointy?
1: Oh, look! Bike path! Lion it's <laughs> to- a stuffed animal, Buffy.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. She's not, she's really not good at thinking on her feet like that. She is
1: not. <laughs> they
0: start to go their separate ways, and Buffy says she's glad to know that she's not the only totally confused person on campus. Nah, Eddie suspects there's actually quite a few of them. She promises to look for him in psych, and they agree to help each other out be study buddies. Then she's off and he's alone, which sadly makes him the perfect prey for the on-campus vampires.
2: So disappointed. Bye, Eddie. Bye, Eddie. You are All there. right. <laughs> so, let's talk
0: about who plays Eddie.
1: Who plays Eddie?
0: It is Pedro Pascal. Yay.
1: This is the fucking way.
0: This oh. is uh, yes. So ev- I think everybody knows who Pedro Pascal is now. Yeah. Because he is the Mandalorian. But this was this was very early on in his career, and he was still going by, I think his actual last name. Yeah,
2: yeah. He hadn't, he hadn't changed, he hadn't changed his name yet.
0: But he is one of very famous guest stars. We will we will see pop up.
2: Yes. Yeah, he's he's one of those. He's one of those guest stars that this was one of his early, early roles. But yes, Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian. He was on Game of Thrones. Yeah. Kingsman, the Golden Circle. Wonder Woman 1984. Basically anything where he can play right. a single father.
0: <laughs> I he did do wonder woman i mm-hmm. forgot about
2: that the, he's gonna be in the last of us coming up on hbo based on the video game
0: so i've tried to block out a lot of wonder woman 1984
2: Narcos, yeah he's he's had a long
0: he's had a, he's had a good career and he's like nowhere near done
2: oh no no he's yes we we love we love pager pascal we love everything that he chooses to do in his life He's best friends with Oscar Isaac.
0: Ah, that's amazing. <laughs> Captain Handsome. Yes. So, Of Human Bondage, it is indeed a novel. It was written by W. Somerset Monham? Mom. 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 mom.
1: Thank like you. Like as a Mom. Mom.
0: <laughs> it is a very heavy novel. Look, just think, you know, you know
2: the song One Night in Bangkok? <laughs>
0: yes. The Somerset yes. Mom Suite. Oh there, oh, there we go. Yeah,
2: that's I think that's probably how I figured out how to pronounce the last name.
0: I've
1: read The Painted Veil and some of the short stories. And uh, let's just say the movie version of The Painted Veil is so much better. Uh, it has an actual character arc and everything. <laughs> they,
2: yeah, yeah. There's you. They they do that a lot with with stories, especially from that time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so this is, yeah, it's a very heavy novel. It's a very, the author denies it's autobiographical, but obviously there's autobiographical elements in it. From what I could understand, it's basically about this person, Philip, who like has this goal, this like obsession their whole life, and they're like going towards it. And when it's like finally within their grasp, something happens and they end up getting married to this woman. And basically the main character comes to the idea that like happiness is unattainable, and the simplest path in life, like meet someone, get married, work, have children, die, is the truest path. And I'm like, that's fucking. D- Why would this be your comfort book? <laughs> I don't understand.
1: I know people will just. I uh, the the term now people have is comfort character. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'll be something that's like super messed up or like a person who's super miserable. Yeah. Like really that that's sort of like soft and warm and fuzzy, like a blanket for you?
2: Yeah, like one of my like one of my comfort movies, like I, I don't even know why, but whenever I'm in a certain type of way, one of my comfort
1: movies is Revenge of the Sith. But yeah, at least I guess if you've seen something enough where it's predictable, but still, yeah. you know, genocide.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Anakin's slowly going crazy because yeah. of all the stuff happening. Yeah.
0: I will hand it to the campus vamps though, because they are organized. I feel like they took Joe's vampire orientation classes, but then they learned the entirely wrong lessons from oh, them. Oh yeah,
2: yeah. Like they like the whole thing that they have going on. I mean, yeah, yeah it's 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 sad that they're they're picking off freshmen.
0: Yeah, because but- they like go in, they clean out Eddie's room, they leave a note, they make it look like he just packed up and went home. And that's a totally believable occurrence. Mm-hmm. Because as the RA tells Buffy when she notices him missing from class and goes to look for him, there's always a few kids who can't cut it and bail. I do love when she's looking for him in class and Willow's like, you made a friend.
2: Yeah, that's that's why I was disappointed that he died so quickly you know, when you think back to, you know, back in the day, it's just like, oh, look, he, she made a new friend, look at
1: this guy, and then of course, vampires.
0: Buffy oh, can't have nice things. Nope.
1: No professors and teachers that are nice to her, they'll die too. Oh yeah, yeah, all the people that are all the people that are good in her life, they die. The people no. that are shitty, they hang around. Yep. It's like Henry Kissinger, still fucking alive. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 99 years old. I,
2: I can't, like, the, he, that is one of those people that every so often I look him up yeah. and I'm like, oh, that fucker is still alive. How is he still like deals with devils? That's 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 what it is. Pretty much.
0: But this story begins to unravel just the teeniest, tiniest bit when Buffy sees that Eddie's copy of of Human Bondage is still in his nightstand. Didn't he say he always made sure to have it? If he went home, why leave it behind? In the vampire's lair, they are currently going through Eddie's stuff, or maybe the stuff of someone else they recently killed. Either way, the lead vampire, who we will later find out is named Sunday, finds it lame. They need to kill some cooler people. (laughs) One of her minions, a cute, healthy-sized vampire. She's very (laughs) adorable. Yes. Reminds her that she's the one who said to pick on the weak ones. I am not here for Sunday's fat shaming of this minion, which is just basically the rest of the scene. Yeah. Yeah.
1: At least she's a bad person. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Or bad vampire. Yeah, see, I I think the minion
2: should just be like, fuck this shit. I don't need your negativity. I'm going to go back to Joe.
0: (laughs) I mean, the Minion does escape, so maybe yeah. she does. Maybe she goes back to Joe and, like, he teaches her to live her best vampire life. Yeah, she yeah. She becomes a
2: vampire like Harmony. Yeah, you don't have to put up with this bullshit.
0: Unrolling a poster, a stoner vamp says they have a Clint <laughs> because it seems they've been keeping score. Clint versus Monet, the two most popular posters for freshmen at UC Sunnydale. According to Sunday, freshmen are so predictable. I had a Monet.
1: For <laughs> uh, Minion's... I- yeah, sorry. I, I said that my snobbery about dorm room posters or any bedroom posters probably stems from this episode. <laughs> I know I know what I just said about Sunday being a bad person, but <laughs> I, I was quite determined when I went to my first poster sale on campus that I would not be somebody who would have their shit put up in Sunday's loot room. So <laughs> there was no Breakfast at Tiffany's poster for me. There was no uh, Pink Floyd album cover. I was gonna make sure that all my posters were, quote, unique to express how special I was.
2: I had a princess I, I did have Monet because to be fair, I I did love Monet from a long time. And that's something that came to me from yeah. from a family member. So I did have a Monet, but then I also one of my posters was The Princess Bride. And I have fond memory of, because I slept on the top bunk and I have a memory of waking up in the middle of the night because my poster (laughs) fell off the wall from that (laughs) sticky tack. Yeah. Yeah. Me waking waking up in the middle of the night flailing because I thought I was under attack, but it was just my stupid poster falling down from the wall.
0: Her minions are starting to get hungry, but Sunday says they'll eat when she says they eat and Yells at all of them. Prompting one of her minions to tell her to have dead Eddie get her dinner then. That was kind of the plan. And that's when we see Eddie's eyes open. Dun dun, dun. So I had to look it up. I had to see if Klimt and Monet really made the list. And no, they do not. On a list produced by a Phoenix newspaper in August of 2022, of the 20 most popular dorm room posters of all time, there was not a Klimt or Monet to be seen. Ooh. But the top five were Animal House, mm-hmm. Bob Marley, Smoking, <laughs> yeah. Dolly's The Persistence of Memory, Okay, Grateful Dead, and you get extra points if it's Blacklight. <laughs> and then the number one one is Albert
1: Einstein. Is With it the Albert stick Einstein sticking his tongue out?
0: <laughs> Probably.
1: <laughs> Probably saying imagination is more important than knowledge.
0: Yeah. Feeling something strange is afoot. Buffy, of course, goes to Giles's place. Oh, boy. And finds a woman. <laughs> a, half, a half-dressed woman in Giles's kitchen talking about cheese.
2: I, I do like that line. Is this blue cheese or cheese that's blue?
0: After making sure that Giles does still live there, Buffy thinks she may have come at a bad time. Once he appears, however, looking delightfully tousled and in a bathrobe, <laughs> he assures her it's fine. That was college. Just like high school and that she needs his help. His friend, Olivia... Leaves the two of them be so that they may talk a bit in private. So she's uh, having problems with her studies. Again, Buffy says this seems like a really bad time. She keeps saying that. Why? Because, you know. (laughs) Is he not supposed to have a private life? No, because he's really, really old
1: and it's gross. (laughs) Buffy, he is about 45 years old.
2: I know. I know I, I really resent the fact because I... I'm 40 and Mary is going to be turning 40 soon. But you know what? It's really, it's really funny because when I think back to being in high school, like I thought Giles was much older oh, yeah. than 40. But now yeah. that, you know, now that I'm 40, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it tracks.
0: Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah. Before he succumbs to the ravages of <laughs> age, what brings her by? She explains there's a student missing. Eddie. She met him the other night when she went back to the place where they met. Where she last saw him, it looked like there had been a struggle. According to Eddie's RA, kids go missing all the time. What if there's a group of vampires working the campus? They need to look into this, make a plan, get charts, and... Giles isn't exactly sure where he comes in. This all sounds like stuff Buffy can handle on her own. Okay, does he remember before he was Hugh Hefner? (laughs) And he was a watcher? Officially, she has no watcher. Of course, he'll always be there for her. Her safety is of the utmost importance. But with her being at school, right got it. Sorry to bother him. Giles immediately feels bad. That's not what he meant. He just, no. No, she's got this. Really? Alright. Well, he's there if she needs him. She leaves and Olivia returns, reaching out to sip Giles' drink. Did he help her? He doesn't know. I'm pretty sure everyone knows who who Hefner is, Mm -hmm. especially given the stories that have recently come to light. Former Playboy bunnies and even (sighs) former girlfriends like Holly Madison beginning to speak their truths. So the only thing I'm going to say about Hefner is that apparently in the original Dark Horse Angel comics, the ones titled After the Fall, Spike supposedly kills Hefner and takes over the Playboy mansion.
2: Good for him. (laughs)
1: Right? Good for Spike.
2: (laughs) Because he would treat those girls so much
1: better. He would not have a harem. No, he's one woman. Um, so we need to talk about Olivia. We do quickly.
0: need to talk about Olivia because I d- d- does anyone else remember thinking Olivia was going to be a much bigger part of the show?
1: Ah, uh, not really. I, I'm not at the time, but um, I thought we might learn a little bit more about her. Mm-hmm. All we really learn, like there's a lot of there's a lot of um, world building implied. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Like she that calls she, him Ripper. Yeah. So I, like, I was waiting for her because, you know, she's, I mean, maybe, maybe this is, like, you know, trauma left over from, like, Jenny and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she calls him Ripper. She just shows up in town.
1: Mm-hmm. And she's and half naked.
0: She's some half kind naked. a job
1: that brings her to Southern California at least every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.
0: Suddenly. So I'm, like... I was waiting for her to be like the big bad or just be like another magic using adult who could like help and nothing. We got yeah. nothing.
1: Yeah, because she he apparently told her at least something about his life and the supernatural. Mm-hmm. He doesn't take it that seriously until it's right in her face. Which and, is, I believe, hush. Yes, yes, exactly. So for once, you know, I'm proud of Giles. He has a friend, an orgasm friend. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got somebody he can be himself around and not have to bother hiding his weapons chest, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, she'll see this teenage girl walk into his house and not be like, what the fuck, dude? There, Why is there
2: a teenage girl? Apparently she's also in the Lost Slayer series
1: yeah Yeah. so we'll get we'll get to her when we
0: okay mm-hmm. maybe we'll learn some more about her there yeah yeah
1: and the funny thing is that I think if this had happened less than a year ago if Buffy had walked in there'd been a half naked woman there he would have said oh uh, um her luggage was lost and I just le- was letting her some clothes and it's not what you think he is not saying we just had sex He is yeah he's but he's like yeah, what of it? I, it's, it was very shocking at the time for me watching it. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that he's very comfortable about this. He, it helps that he is pretty well covered up. Um, that yeah, he wants to have a private life that he he's now, he does have a lot of time on his hands. He mm-hmm. lost few full-time jobs. He's not in any rush to get another one. He, uh, Buffy quit the watchers council. So him saying officially, you no longer have a watcher is like, ouch. But at the same time, he's like, this is what you wanted. You wanted your total independence. And I'm having my independence for the first time in since I was about 10 years old. So deal with it. Sorry.
2: Yeah. And he got no, he, he has this gorgeous woman.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: She's which, very cool. Good for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's very cool. Like, good for good for you, Giles. Good. Good for you. Yeah, we finally have a recurring black character. Yes. Uh, besides, yeah, who doesn't die? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. She just
0: kind of stopped showing up.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, what's good for her that she, she sets her boundaries like, no, I can't handle it. And he's like, nope, don't want you to be in danger. Okay, see ya um yeah and good good
2: for like yeah it's a good thing for for both of them you know like again it's so nice to have adult characters and have them be good people and good people to each other
1: yes but we also have to talk about the i can't always be there you can handle it yourself Mm -hmm. and i will be i'm going to be very fair to giles here buffy says there's a student missing Uh uh-huh because that never happens in sunnydale and then she says, I think it's vampires. Uh-huh. And we've seen her take on far more vampires than she hasn't even seen them yet. She assumes, and she's good to assume it, when you hear who mm-hmm. think horses, not zebras, and horses are the equivalent of vampires in this world. Um, she's not saying like there's like cult markings. I found evidence at the scene, I know for a fact he didn't run away. It's all speculation. And he Even if this were a year or two ago, he'd be like, so it's vampires, right? I mean, you handle this every single night. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's bad for drawing a boundary on his personal life and saying like, you know, come back when you had no more. I will always be there when you need mm-hmm. me, But this routine for you.
2: Yeah, I think part of I think what it is from from Buffy's perspective is here she is in a completely new life. Mm -hmm. She is completely like everything. Everything else is so out of control for her. Like she she doesn't again. like she she spent so much time trying to fit in at Sunnydale and now she's starting all over again she can't really like willow is off doing her thing because she's so excited she's coming to Giles because that's familiar to her yeah and then like she she just needs she needs some of that stability she needs something from her
1: old life she needs her dad
2: yeah yeah like she needs yeah. her dad and the I know like he's he is trying to get her to be and we'll see later on that he'll be like, "Whoop, nope, I was wrong." Like, I wanted you. <laughs> you know and, and then in the next scene like she's going to go home.
1: Yeah, let the man have a day or two to be a person and yeah. try to have a real relationship instead of always hanging out with teenagers. Yeah. And him uh saying uh the fact that, okay, so what I forgot to bring up is that she walks into his apartment. Yeah, yeah exactly. Doctor- without ringing the bell mm-hmm. um, he knows it's not a demon or might still be a demon uh, he doesn't lock his door but like he almost never locks his door those kids come and go and so like if it's the middle of the night and they're injured or something they can just walk in mm-hmm. but it still helps to knock and give yeah. them privacy she is treating it just like her own home because mm-hmm. she doesn't walk in the next scene into her own home like without a key or anything and it's fine but what if Joyce had had a man over <laughs> in his <laughs>
3: box <laughs>
1: but, but, I mean, at least at least if joyce had a
2: man over that would be her you know her home that she's allowed to come into
1: yes exactly but it could have been so funny if it yeah that, the next i would have
2: really i really would have liked if you know she goes into giles and there's a woman there it was <laughs> home and there's a man there
1: <laughs> <laughs> got Poor it what buffy yeah yeah <laughs> so her unfortunately with buffy she is once bitten twice shy Mm -hmm. So Giles putting up a little bit of a boundary is enough for her to say, like, nope, can't talk to him now. And I think he would like it if she just came over to hang out. If Mm -hmm. he didn't have company. Because in the next episode, she's like, hey, what you doing? How's your day going? Can we hang out? And he's like, you never ask me that. This is a sign of, like, demonic possession, possibly. And that's a sad comment that he feel kind of feels like mm-hmm. well unless i'm needed for watcher duties does anybody like consider me really their friend now that we no longer have a place where we all have to be like high school where you have to make the effort to come over here just to use my books is it just about the books or what about me the person
2: yeah and it's also like it's also like buffy a lot of buffy being teenage petulance like you said like oh I can't go to Giles because now you know he already he set this boundary like it's that whole like I am a teenager and everything little that you say to me
1: mm. I am going to take to oh, the yeah. extreme yes I totally understand 18 year old yeah James. and I love like one of the things that I love about where this
2: series is going to be going is how they are all going to be reworking their dynamic
0: yeah oh. <laughs> so also on olivia um she's played by the immensely talented fina O'Rouche, a uh, model actress she's done way more british television than american it seems having been in Hollyoaks and one of my favorite guilty pleasure shows footballers wives mm. which i now want to go watch again so thanks for that show uh but she did also do some guest spots on charm nash bridges and saved by the bell of the new class Back on campus, Buffy attempts to patrol, but there is once again a gazillion people out and about, making it near impossible. Until she sees Eddie chasing after him, she eventually catches up and tells him she was worried something had happened to him. And of course it did, because he's a vampire. <laughs> oh. She says she's sorry right before he says he's not and goes to hit her. When she starts to fight back, the other vampires appear. The Slayer. Wow. Sunday had heard she might be coming there, but wow. Wow. It's an honor, really. She'll be killing her in a moment. The number of times Buffy's heard that. Stoner Vampire wants to know if they're going to fight or just have a sarcasm rally. (laughs) So they're going to fight. Well, kind of. It's a short fight. Sunday, thoroughly kicking Buffy's ass to the point where Buffy is actually forced to retreat. She runs off back to her dorm, nursing her wounds. And the next day doesn't make it any better. Because when she leaves the dorm in the morning, what does she see except Willow and Oz talking to another student, living their best college life. Embarrassed about her injuries and her whole struggle in general, Buffy takes off before they can see her.
1: Oh, Buffy, who's going to understand more than Willow? Who's going to have like a first aid kit who Mm -hmm. could help you out and seat that arm? Flare healing is great, but in the meantime, you could at least be comfortable.
0: Which for like the what happens at the end where she's like it's not broken it's just hurt I feel like mm-hmm. her arm was like way more jacked than it should have been mm-hmm. yeah and
2: they, they I think I think um, Sunday does say like oh bro- you have a broken arm and then twists it again later
0: oh and we go back to the vampires layer where they are thoroughly mocking Buffy <laughs> and her clothes oh. especially her jeans. One vamp says she heard that the jeans with the patches were coming back and Sunday response, not if she eats everyone wearing them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I feel that way about low rise jeans coming back. Oh, Uh, like because at this time, Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears and everybody were wearing it just above like where the vagina starts. Yeah. Yeah. Just
2: just where it would if it shifts a little bit.
1: Yeah. And if they moved slightly forward, you'd see everything. That's a Patrick Stewart reference from Extras. Like, it's too late. I've seen everything. Mm -hmm. That's what you would see. And I don't want this to be a thing again.
0: No. No. The others also kind of wish Sunday would have let them have a piece of the Slayer. Sunday says not to worry about it. She's finished. Won't last the night. In fact, she wants them to take to the tunnels. Buffy has reached the point where she just needs to go home. (laughs) Maybe not permanently, but for an afternoon. She enters the house, heading upstairs, and Joyce is very surprised to see her. She didn't think Buffy would be back so soon. She's been fighting. They started it. As long as she's careful. She really thought it would be a few weeks before Buffy came around. Yeah, well, she didn't have classes, and with everything so hectic, she thought she would crash for a bit, and her room is full of crates. <laughs> <laughs> crates overthrowing with priceless stolen art. <laughs> <laughs> <Absolutely> <laughs> from the mansion.
1: Yes, I have to say, this yeah. is one of my favorite recurring gags <laughs> on your show, Joyce Summers, International Art Thief. <laughs> it's the it's, only thing that can explain. It's the only thing that can explain it. Of how often just stuff is in her home, and why, unfortunately, when Joyce passes away later, the money solution for me would be like, well, what if Buffy sells the art gallery? Like, what we never find out, like, does Joyce own this art gallery? No, in the of-
2: in the um, and then i into to the father. Yeah, in,
0: say she owns the gallery because she, okay. yeah,
2: like, because she wanted she always appar- apparently she always wanted to own her own art yeah. gallery. So that does kind of explain, she, like, how like why she's
1: bringing. Random stuff home and yeah, Joyce. Did you not learn from Dead Man's Party? Don't bring this shit into the house. At least have Josh does- look over.
0: She does not and- learn. No.
1: no, no, no. She's She's just too. And
2: and you know, like the international smuggling ring, it explains <laughs> how she's able to afford this beautiful home.
1: Yeah, but that's One. why Buffy can't make money off of it afterward because then she must find out the deep dark secret that the, yeah, sure, mom owned the gallery, but this stuff belongs in a museum. Yeah, or the country they <laughs> originally come from. Yeah, and yeah. So like um, yeah, back.
2: yeah. I liked that. I liked that joke that when the queen died and everybody was was lining up, that now that was a great time for people to take their stuff back from the British
1: Museum. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. Yes, but this could have been a way to have Joyce more in the series mm-hmm. and Giles to get a job is if, hey, you know who is a renowned archaeological expert on the West Coast that, like, people go to him for non-supernatural things sometimes and he's able to, like, decipher glyphs from per- Incan culture? Yeah. Giles. That, like, what if he got a job at the gallery and we could see it and you could have so many subplots of like oh we're having a benefit at the gallery and some vampires are broken in like the Joker in the Dark Knight uh like this sets up so many plots yeah I really I really would have liked
0: yeah it continually blows my mind we never saw the art gallery Yeah.
1: yeah it's such a good location and we see lots of other locations in Sunnydale after season one Um, And if they wanted to give Christine Sutherland more to do on the show, you could have, like, the tension again between her and Giles of, Mm -hmm. like, now that we're doing the co-parenting thing from afar, could we talk about this now that Buffy's not in the house if you wanted to come over for some nookie?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Or they end, and it also also opens up potential for... Buffy to walk in on them, making out in one of the back rooms at the shop.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many ways you could do this. Because we know, we, we know Buffy doesn't knock. Mm-hmm. That is true. We know from this episode that Buffy walks in on people. Yeah, and, and to talk about this, like, this upcoming season, this is a transitional season, much like this new season of SNL, where like eight cast members have left. Mm-hmm. What is the show now without some of its strongest components? We no longer have... Principal Snyder, we no longer have Faith We no longer have the Mayor, we no longer have Sunnydale High, and most of the characters that went there There's no Cordelia, there's no Angel Except for occasional crossovers Mm -hmm. The show has to Transform, and everybody The audience is just as disoriented As Buffy is, so I really like that she's feeling Like, I don't know what my life is Anymore, everybody seems to know What's going on, and I'm the one left behind Everybody seems to be On top of things, and I'm falling apart And a lot of shows at the time the kids would finish high school. What does the show become when it becomes a college show? Well, oftentimes they would like get married to their high school girlfriend at like 19 or 20 years yeah. old. Uh, the, the teacher characters would have to be like, Oh, now I'm a professor now. Yeah. I've always had a PhD. What's the big deal? <laughs> um, everybody goes to the same school. Everybody still hangs out together at the same diner or nightclub or small child nightclub. Um, <laughs> And this show is like, no, 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 sorry, we're going to actually do something realistic with it, it which is not not all of your friends, were are going to go to the same college, sorry. Not all of your friends are going to be in the same place and the same level of popularity and confidence they were in high school. Things are going to change. And the adults that you relied on, they're going to have to have lives now. And I should know because, like, my mom cried almost every day of my 12th grade, it felt like <laughs> Every time she'd run into one of my teachers and they'd be like, so what's Caroline going to be doing next year? And my mom would just like cry in front of people. And then the teachers would tell me afterwards. So there was no moving stuff into my room. It was a shrine when I no. went away. And that's what, the, I, my, my parents are still married. And they still love each other. So this is gonna, this affects how I watch this show too. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand what it's like to grow up with the trauma of divorce that way. And um, I have, I suppose I have, fewer issues with like men and father figures.
2: <laughs> hey, um, it's, we, we have, we have, we, we have friends that, you know, yeah, have yeah. both of their, their parents. And That's so cool. it's always good to have other, other views. Yeah.
1: Mary, Mary and I, we, we figured out, we have so many issues. <laughs> Well, that's—I'm not calling it daddy issues because I know that people say like, "Hey, that makes it sound like it's my fault," and not. Oh no, dad's we call it—it's uh, fine. You can call it daddy <laughs> issues. I'll—I'll I'll completely cop to
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Joyce tells her she didn't move a thing. It's still her room. It's full of crates. <laughs> yes, but she didn't move anything. If it's her room, shouldn't she be able to fit in it? Buffy heads back downstairs, and the phone rings. She answers. But there's no one there. Now, being from the future, as we are, we know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And the other side of this phone call will be seen in the Angel series premiere City of. But back when this aired, we had no idea where this was going, though we would shortly find out. And I'm trying to remember if we like all originally knew it was Angel on the phone or if we thought it had to do with the vampires on campus or we were just like, huh. That's weird. and moved on with our lives. I honestly can't remember. Yeah,
2: I think I've. I think I figured someone was just fucking with her.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I cause I'd often forget what the connection was, and I'd figure it was the vampires checking if she's home because they break into her dorm room and they steal all her stuff. And if they break into there and she's there, well, yeah, they want to kill her, but it ruins the whole like sorry, dropped out. I'm. They gotta do something with the body. Um, but yeah, I do remember I watched angel like the first couple of episodes um i watched like most of the first season when it aired at the time so i did see like this episode and then at the nine o'clock mark the next episode the angel aired the premiere um but probably i didn't even connect it i thought it was like why why is she on the phone why is he on the phone it didn't like cross over my mind but i did not watch angel consistently And and for a very long time, I caught up with it after it ended. I knew everything because like all the crossovers and the television without pity comments about like stuff going on over there. I'm like, there's something about a demon dimension named Pylea and there's lawyers and there's uh, a green character that I have not met yet on this show. Like, and it felt like too late because this is before all the DVDs were coming out Mm -hmm. and being you had to catch a recap a, a rerun when you caught it you could not control it there was nowhere to look for it spoiled children on my lawn i know
2: i know <laughs> like, like i it's kind of funny like with the whole binge watching and and having access with stuff like i have a 10 year old and trying to tell him that no the next episode of this show will be coming out next week <laughs> and also but this is america i want it now we can watch this at any time Back in the day when it was on TV, it was on at a specific time. You had to watch it or record it at that specific
1: time. Yes, I've gotten a lot of use over the past couple of years out of the GIF from Lord of the Rings. I was there again. Oh yes, I was there 3,000 years ago when the strength of men failed, aka before streaming.
0: I have a hard time even now. Like, I'm obviously, because being me and being my vampire obsessed self I'm watching the new iteration of interview with the vampire yeah and it's killing me in the weekly <laughs> series
1: yeah <laughs> I'm just even like though, what you mean
0: I have no you week. know what
1: happens it's not like it's stranger <gasps> it really things to one episode a week yeah yeah, I'm yeah. Like, God damn it mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why they sometimes have to tell you stuff that you already know, because there was no guarantee back then that you'd seen every episode. Mm-hmm. There was nowhere to find it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's just, it is funny. It is funny how, and how spoiled. And you, like, I do like having stuff come out, except when there's the fact that then you have to listen to certain people dissect everything week after week, because they can't wait for the next part of the arc to come out. So, like... Mm-hmm. When, when kenobi came out yeah and when you thought that this you know that they killed the grand inquisitor
3: mm-hmm.
2: like no they didn't but if you wait a few episodes <laughs> and like, when the whole thing was with with this with the third sister you know and vader like he's fucking with her
3: mm-hmm.
2: like this isn't like just wait
1: until the next episode's Everything yeah. will, it will be explained. Yeah, and even with this show that came about in the age of one episode a week, I feel like it couldn't make it to air, because if you started off a scene a certain way that seemed cliched, a certain character that seemed one-dimensional, you have to wait at least a couple of scenes The oh, there's this trope is getting turned on its head. There's a new layer to this character. This person is more than you think it is. Mm-hmm. The villain is not who it appears to be. But I can't wait that long. I need it to be right in front of me right now, or it's the most problematic thing I've ever had yep. for you.
3: hmm
0: <sighs>
2: Media literacy is dead.
1: It is.
0: <laughs> the vampires on campus have gone and cleaned out Buffy's room and stolen all her stuff, which, rude. <laughs> At the bronze, Splendid's You and Me plays as Buffy enters looking around. It seems even this place, someplace she once knew so well, felt so comfortable in, seems foreign on this night. She looks around, attempting to find someone, anyone she knows, when she spots a guy who kind of looks like Angel. And was David for half a second. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty obvious. Yeah. For a split second, her hopeful wanting kicks in. And she looks like she's going to head that way, but then reality hits. It's okay, though, because Xander is there. Yay. They, Yay. they hug and Buffy asks when he got back. A few days ago. Why didn't he call? Well, they were all starting their whole college adventure and he didn't want to help them move.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair, Xander. Mm -hmm.
0: Hugging him again. Buffy says she's missed him. How was the trip? How's the rest of America? Is it nice? She hears it's nice. There were some Purple Mountain Majesties. So where did he go? What did he see? Tell her everything. Grand Canyon. He saw the Grand Canyon. He saw the movie Grand Canyon (laughs) on cable. See, he only made it about as far as Oxnard when the engine fell out of his car. Literally. So he ended up washing dishes at the fabulous ladies' nightclub. It was fine. Nothing too exciting. Until one night, the lead male stripper got sick and no power on earth will ever make (laughs) Xander tell Buffy the rest of that story. But he traded his car and, for one, not entirely made of rust, came home to the loving arms of his parents and found that absolutely nothing had changed except now he sleeps in the basement and owes his parents' rent. How's
1: college? There is so much trauma layered into that, oh, and not yeah. about the, not so about the being the male stripper thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he did have a nightmare recurring about being naked in class. Yes. So yeah, that actually never mind about that. Sorry. The point about his horrible parents, who are abusive, even if it's not physical, maybe occasionally physical, saying like, oh, you're back. Get in the basement. You owe us money, even mm-hmm. though we're almost never employed." Yeah, you bastards. Are they like living off of like a lawsuit where like the dad threw himself in front of a car <gasps> or something? That strikes me as how like they probably inherited the house from like his grandfather or something, and that's the only reason they have a place to live.
2: Yeah, uh, like I this is this is like why I have a lot of problems with with like the way people talk about Xander a lot. Is this kid I mean, just
1: does not have a good home life? Nope, and. Every reason to get away from there as much as possible, even if they're not like hitting and throwing things. Oh, at it's him. yeah, yeah. Just it's listening to them fight is enough for him to be like, well, got to go numb myself somehow. Yeah, it's lucky he does not become an alcoholic, considering the background he grows up in. It would be completely understandable if he did, and oh, it yeah. would,
2: and it would be completely understandable if he was a different type of person than he is. Like that, he would, that he was that he would turn into an awful bully. I mean, yes.
0: that's. That's why, and I mean, we will talk about this so much in a couple of seasons, but that's why I get really mad at everyone who basically, like, is fuck Xander for what happens in Hell's Bells. Because mm -hmm. look at his family. Mm -hmm. Look at his family that we're finally getting to see in person. Mm -hmm. And this demon combines his fears about turning into his family with his fears about the life they lead. Yeah. And I I don't blame him for being like, I don't want to to hurt everyone. A whole bunch of it, like,
1: yeah, I'm hurting her now so that I won't become my dad and hurt her later far worse in a way that is irreversible. Mm -hmm. He's 21 years old. He should not be getting married. No, but but, you know, (laughs) Giles should have
0: put a stop to that. Yeah, I, I
1: understand that because if you're the person saying you're too young, you're not compatible enough, you guys should wait. This is a bad idea. You are the bad guy. You don't believe in love. You're, you're jealous because you're alone and horny and you're not invited to the wedding anymore. Now, I don't think Xander would go to that extreme, but, like, sometimes you tell people that this relationship is not abusive or anything, but I don't think you should take that next step. People be like, yeah. why? We're, we're fine. And the whole thing of, like, we could die any time now, much like, you know, Buffy having sex with a guy who's technically 26, technically over 200, <laughs> is like, what am I saving myself for? Like, yeah. <laughs> what's the point? I This could be my only true love. This could be my only chance to be briefly happy. So I understand everyone's perspective going into this and it's such a tragedy, but I feel like it's unpreventable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, we love Xander. <laughs> I understand objectively why a lot of the fandom has a problem with him. Mm-hmm. It was there were probably people who didn't like him at the time, but he was a very, very popular character back in the day. And there were a lot of Buffy Xander shippers too. Um, And he was like the comic relief. He's the heart. He's the goofy guy that is going to be the one to be a bit of an audience surrogate and a creator surrogate. Um, But like there are a lot of people, I think, who they know someone like Xander in their life and they remember him being the guy who they remember him kind of falsely because Xander does say something kind of sexual and gross to Buffy that does kind of like undercut the nice things he has to say. But they remember the bad stuff and they Mm -hmm. have every right to. And it's sort of like – it's a little too black and white. It's every douchey guy who said he was a nice guy to me when I was young. And there wasn't that redeeming factor of every night he shows up, risks his life, his sanity, his soul, his future, his eyes – To help save the world. Yeah,
2: we we do. We talk about it. We talk about it, how he is always there for Buffy.
1: Yes, he is 15 to 18 years old when he's at his worst, Mm -hmm. as most of us are. And
2: he, the thing about like, and like, yeah, I can get why, like I get why people don't like him because of the whole good guy thing. And I wish people would go into the series with fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, you're, when you're, when you're an adult, you're seeing things a lot differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I wish people could go in and say, okay, you know what? I looked at Xander the way I did when I was a certain age. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm older, I see that he is not the way that I saw him. Yes, because nah. he does. I mean, we we hold and Xander accountable for yes. all the, for for any of the shit that he does that's questionable. We hold him accountable for it. We hold him accountable for when he says things that he shouldn't say, especially because yeah. a lot of some things he says the slut shamey
1: things. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. Like we hold. Him- I did yeah. not notice at the time. It was only rewatching when other people pointed out that I did notice it because I mean, it was, there's
2: there's a lot of so- things about this show that some some lines of dialogue mm-hmm. were they're not appropriate. But dropping drop the R word. Yeah. Like we're, there were words and lines that were in the 90s that we didn't think twice about.
1: Yeah. And they weren't OK. Yeah. So like the, the slut shaming comments was so baked into the culture mm-hmm. about like judging other women for having like one boyfriend they're having sex with Mm -hmm. and where like the clothes that cordelia wears are never skimpier than anything buffy wears (laughs) but she's the one who gets the brunt Mm -hmm. of the comments but she was also horrible to a lot of these characters since she was four or five years old yeah simmering resentment so there is a kind of like There's a girl bossification of Cordelia, whom I love or grow to love.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. We talk we talk about it all the time about how Cordelia is one of the characters that has a great Mm -hmm. character arc, how she like she changes the most out of out of everybody. And it's also, you know, it's also going to be interesting where her journey is going to be going for
1: a little bit, at least. Yeah. (laughs) And she knows (laughs) things about Xander as his girlfriend. That she throws in his that, face. Oh, we, yeah, we that are classist. She, even though she's a woman, she has far more privilege than mm-hmm. him. We're looking at this from a 2022 lens, where mm-hmm. she's rich, popular, has a car that doesn't break down on the way to Oxnard. Uh, <laughs> she has everyone on her side, except for all the bullies people she bullied. And he does not have that, so him making snide comments about her is not going to like lower her standing with other people. Mm-hmm. They already think he's a loser, so I understand him lashing out.
2: Yeah, and 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 a lot of a lot of I mean, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna say it. A lot of the hate that Xander gets a lot is just for the fact that he is a white male. Yeah, and it like it's it's that whole thing about. Nuance being lost and Mm -hmm. how people look at everything black and white. Yeah. And instead of taking things at a whole. And yeah, like you said, he is poor and Mm -hmm. she is wealthy. So she has that privilege. And also not only that, but she has the knowledge from when they were dating. Yep. And she used that. Yes. As ammunition against him. Things that he... Doesn't tell people, only the people close to his know. So he yeah. trusted her and she used that as a way to lash out. And I, you know, like we we talked about how, like when did the whole thing with her father happen? Like, so she was using her own insecurities. Let's say that that happened, you know, her, her the whole thing going on with her dad. She was using her own insecurities against him mm-hmm. because she wasn't used to being in this position where she didn't have anything.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know he so was far- an easy... Yeah, I know the bar is so low. It's a tavern in Hades. But he (laughs) is not a violent person. When he lashes out, it's with his tongue. Mm -hmm. That's what she said. But it's also like he, the first time we see him get angry in The Harvest over Jesse, he kicks a garbage can over. Mm -hmm. When it's the body and he's upset about Joyce, instead of crying like everybody else is, he punches a wall and breaks his own hand. He's got a lot of emotional constipation, because of how he was raised yeah because the 90s and you know real men don't cry and everything and it's hard for him to express things without turning it into a joke
3: Mm -hmm. and he
1: turns that pain on himself he self-sabotages he sabotages his relationship with cordelia he sabotages his relationship with anya he doesn't ever ask buffy out again after the season one finale despite people kind of acting like he's Constantly pursuing her. Like yeah,
3: people
2: really people really like when you go back and re-watch it, people really act like he was sabotaging const-
1: her other relationships.
2: And also like they act like he's constantly on her and constantly
1: like Leering.
2: Yeah, and being, you know, nice guying her and being mad that it like, yeah. So it it's Xander's complicated. Yes. Everybody's complicated. And the yes. show doesn't treat anybody like they're not complicated.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think this upcoming speech that we must get to, uh, <laughs> I think this is a true transitional moment for them. I think that like his crush on her decides just like a base physical attraction because he's 18 and l- linoleum makes him horny. Or- yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he probably, the, uh, he gave up that torch, maybe not necessarily in Prophecy Girl, but maybe when Buffy ran away when she was his idol and she fell off a pedestal for him. And he had to see her as a human being. And, but she is his hero again. Mm-hmm. And he does respect her. And yes, he does objectify her sometimes, but he has learned to accept that he is not the hero of this story. And he's okay with being the guy that she can depend on for other things.
0: <laughs> so yes, let's get to this speech. Yes. Yeah, I love the speech. I love everything about the speech. Male strippers, no power on earth. <laughs> Fine, college is good. Okay, once more with even less feeling. No, no it is. was in heaven, Oz has this really cool house off campus with the band, and she's sitting alone at the bronze, looking like she just got diagnosed with cancer of the puppy.
1: Cancer foreshadowing.
0: <laughs> there was this vampire. She took her down, and Buffy, she doesn't know how to stop her. Okay, so where's the gang? Avengers assemble. (laughs) Okay, oh look, once again, Xander immediately volunteering to go into danger Mm -hmm. or to help his friends. And also I love the Avengers bit Mm -hmm. because, you know, as we all know, the creator will go on to direct Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron. Buffy doesn't want to bother them. They're just starting college. So what's the what? What if she can't cut it? Slaying? (laughs) Slaying everything? Xander tells her this is all about fear. And she can't let that fear control her. See, fear leads to anger. <laughs> anger leads to hate. Hate leads to... Ang- n- no, wait. Hold on. Fear leads to hate. Hate leads to the dark side. No, still wrong. First you get the women. Then you get the money. <laughs> no, no. He's going to need her to forget that. Buffy thanks him for the nonsensical pep talk and says she feels much more abstract now.
1: Dropping those college words. Yep.
0: The line Sanders trying to quote there is fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering from the Phantom Menace. But the creator thought that line was some of the tritest bullshit he had ever heard. <laughs> and so put Sanders' line in mocking it.
1: Yeah. The, the, the Star Wars prequels have gotten a reassessment in the last couple of years. Yeah. Like, no, they're good actually. And it's like, Oh, honey, sweetie, I've got nostalgia about seeing those movies in theaters too because they were the first Star Wars movies I saw in theaters because I was too young for the originals. Mm-hmm. And I do remember enjoying The Phantom Menace in the mm-hmm. theater and then walking out and going, "Wait a second. That that was I was like, just I just started thinking of movies as movies that year mm-hmm. and it was starting to click for me there's a difference between like good and bad dialogue and At the very least, you cannot say that the dialogue was good in the prequels. And I really, I have to imagine that Buffy, Willow, Xander, Oz, they went to see this in theaters in May. So excited. Maybe Mm -hmm. Buffy's like, oh, okay, I'm going along with the friends. And Oz and Xander looking at each other. And it's like the season two premiere of Spaced. I mean, Ritual Bonfire... I need to tell everybody who walks by and says, I'd like a Jar Jar toy, please, about what shit he is. I, I need that scene basically like in a comic or something of them there, experiencing it in real time.
2: There's a great – they they revisited um, when, when the sequels were coming out on NPR. They had interviewed the first guy in line for Phantom Menace <laughs> at the theater mm-hmm. and – you know, they interviewed him, like how excited he was. And then they caught up with him recently. Uh huh. And played it. And he's like, you know what? Well, okay. Cause yeah, then they, what they did was they got him after. Yeah. And of course he was like disappointed. Yeah. And then they caught up with him during the sequels era. And he's like, you know what? It was bad. It's not a great movie. He's like, but you know what? I go back to it. And it's just a fun movie. Mm-hmm. And same thing with all, like all of, The movies, they are not, like, the only reason why they are so ingrained is just they came at a good time. Everybody has them in their memories. Everybody has a memory of Star Wars. And everybody hypes them all up in their brain. They're just a bunch of fun movies. Roger
1: Ebert said that Star Wars has colonized our mind. And Mm -hmm. totally right. Mm Mm-hmm got right in there and made us expect certain things and desire certain things. And we we didn't get them. The dark side. I think that's why the
2: prequels now are being more appreciated, just because they are fun movies. It doesn't have to be high cinema. I mean, like I said, Revenge of the Sith is one of my comfort movies. I don't know why. It's just Anakin brooding for two hours. (laughs) You have Obi-Wan looking pretty and doing It's Me, Grandmama. (laughs) it's it it doesn't have to make sense no
0: come on she's buffy maybe in high school she was what and now she's betty louise (sighs) yep betty louise botnick from east cupcake illinois or at least she might as well be moving closer Sanders says he's gone through some pretty dark times in his life faced some pretty scary things among them the kitchen at the fabulous ladies (laughs) nightclub But when he's scared and alone and it's dark, when he's freaking out, he asks himself, what would Buffy do? She's a zero. Okay, sometimes when it's dark and he's alone, he thinks, what is Buffy wearing? There it is. (laughs) Yep. She asks him that can be one of those things they never talk about. (laughs) And he agrees. So let's put this bitch in the ground. What does she say? She says, thank you. Well, nothing says thank you like dollars in the waistband. (laughs) (laughs) So what do they do first? Break into the administration offices, duh. (laughs) Looking through the school records, they see that a few kids disappear every year. Not a ton. Just enough that it's believable they dropped out. Xander can't believe the vampires took Buffy's stuff. Killing he gets, but petty larceny? It's just so petty. Also, where are they keeping it? It has to be somewhere close by, right? Someplace they can access? Looking through newspapers, Xander asks when the disappearances started. Buffy says there weren't really many before 1982. Oh, hey, the year I was born. (laughs) Bingo! You did this. I did this. It's my fault. (laughs) Xander shows her where one of the frat houses closed in 82 after losing its charter. And it remains closed to this day due to zoning issues. So so fun story. When I was watching this episode, I had a moment of like forgetting this show was old. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like... They've had zoning issues for like forty years. That's so <laughs> I was like, no, Mary, no, no. Mary. I, this
2: I, is I had
0: 1999. The s- yeah, <laughs> I,
2: I had the same. I had the same moment when I rewatched it.
0: Oh good. I'm glad I wasn't. Yeah, just yeah.
2: No, I was like, wow, that building was empty for a long time.
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? Not, uh, the World War Two was only sixty years ago. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Buffy up for a little reconnaissance, like where they paint and sculpt and stuff. <laughs> that's Renaissance. Oh, she had a long week. Yeah. yeah let's go look at the house.
2: I, I love I love moments like that that are just your your brain just completely malfunctions.
1: Yeah. She's not dumb, but we all have moments like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's that's a buff, that's Buffy
2: all the time. Like she is she is smart. You know, she, she's got her own smarts, but you just have a moment where your brain farts and you're like, and then you realize that you said something so stupid and your friends laugh at you and we move on. And then occasionally they're like, oh, remember that time you said this thing?
0: Like most places in Sunnydale, this house seems to have a convenient skylight, which how does that not burn the
1: vampires during the- uh, Every time you see something like that, a wizard did it. Okay. Special, special covering.
0: Point is, Buffy and Xander climb up onto the roof and peer down on them. They have Buffy's stuff all right, and they are never going to fit into that skirt. She needs to kill them. Only she doesn't see her weapons trunk. Telling Xander to go to her room and look for it, and then go to Willow's if it's not there, she continues to keep watch, growing more and more incensed as she sees them pick up Mr. Gordo and her diary. Shortly after that, she crashes through some (laughs) skylight and lands on the floor, right in the middle of the vampire's. Well, now, Sunday comes down to see her. Doesn't she know her from beating the crap out of her? She surely has her now, landing on the floor with a broken arm. What is she ever to do? Buffy tells her she made one mistake. Oh, yeah? What? what? But Buffy's not sure, really. But statistically speaking, <laughs> Sunday, just, Sunday just hauls off and hits her. <laughs> Sad note, this is the last time we will ever see Mr. Gordo on the show. No, He will return, however, in the comics. We just We just won't see him on the show. Back in Buffy's room, Kathy shows Oz and Willow the note left on Buffy's bed. Willow doesn't get it. It's not like Buffy to just disappear, except for that one time when she disappeared for several months and changed her name. But there <laughs> were circumstances, extenuating circumstances. Love the callback. Mm-hmm. Oh no, does Buffy have a history of mental illness? Because- <laughs> He specifically requested a stable non-smoker <laughs> on the roommate form. Willow ignores that, saying maybe there were circumstances, and they, being so wrapped up in their own lives, ignored them. They're bad friends. Oz isn't even sure this is Buffy's handwriting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, like, you, I love, I love Oz bringing everything back. They really should have the vampires. I mean, done what happened in I Robot, you Jane, where you just type the suicide. Yeah, code. yeah, yeah. Then. The minute people see it, like that—that person's left-handed. Why does it look like this?
2: Yes, but are they '80s vampires? <laughs> I mean, they got we a word only... processor. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they
0: just didn't have access. How is he so calm? Arduous practice. He thinks they need to think it all through. Either Buffy ran, or was robbed, or it's a prank. Xander <laughs> enters, hugging Willow and then Kathy before realizing he doesn't know her. <laughs> That was probably a bit intrusive, wasn't it? Little bit. Looking at Oz, he asks if they hug. Actually, Oz thinks they might be too manly. So this prank? Willa would like an explanation. Right. See, some of Buffy's friends took her stuff as a joke. And now Buffy would like them to help her get it back from said friends who sleep all day and have no tans. (laughs) Oh, ghost friends. Looking beside the bed, Xander sees the chest is definitely gone. Bidding Kathy a farewell, they head to Willow's for supplies. Is Buffy in danger? She's in a holding pattern. She'll be okay till they get there. Will she, though? (laughs) Because Sunday is thoroughly kicking her ass. Taunting her about her arm, Buffy spies her weapons trunk and tries to make her way over there. But Sunday beats her to it, holding Buffy's class protector aboard. Oh, Sunday. (laughs) Sunday, you are about to make your fatal mistake. A world of pain. I do like I do like Sunday though as a yeah. as a villain yes. because when she breaks that award that's it for Buffy. She finds her strength anew and beats Sunday down, reminding her that yeah, her arm may be hurt, but one, it's not broken, and two, she only needs one. The others arrive in the middle of this, taking on the lackeys, some die, some flee, and soon it's just Buffy and Sunday. She need a hand? Nah. She's fine. Twirling a stake, she sends it flying and Sunday turns to dust. So Sunday was played by Catherine Town And is another character who was completely wasted. And even the creator knows this. Mm -hmm. As he has time and time again said, he regrets killing her off so soon. There was a rumor. Some will say it's fact. But as far as I know, it is just a rumor that the original storyline for Sunday was going to be that she was a slayer who had been turned.
3: Oh. Right
0: but that got scrapped before the final draft. Again, wasted potential because that would have been so cool.
2: Yeah, that would have been gr- Yeah, any anything else with with Sunday? A
1: slayer vampire as opposed to a vampire slayer, which yes. is such a cool concept. Mm-hmm. I can't believe it was never brought up in the show. It does TMI, come out to play in the comics. Yes. TMI, there was one of the first fanfics I ever read was that concept of a Slayer vampire, someone who was called because Faith is momentarily killed. This person is called, turned into a vampire. Now, best of both worlds, like a Dampier. Mm -hmm. And it was really fucking good. Just out of (laughs) myself.
0: No, 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 no. No,
2: no, that's. In
1: the
0: world of things that I'm going to cut out, because our audience don't need to know these things. Um, So, I uh, I am a role player, like uh-huh. mm-hmm. tabletop, uh, online, whatever.
2: That's how one Mary of, and I met.
0: That's how that's how Fargy and I met. Um, <laughs> role playing in the Glee fandom. Yeah. Oh, the trenches of the Glee fandom. Oh, <laughs> we survived um, the war. <laughs> yeah. But one of my oldest Buffy characters uh, it was a, is a Slayer that was turned into a vampire. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. It's a great idea. Why not? I
0: love that concept. Yeah. yeah. As the gang leaves, carrying Buffy's stuff, Xander asks about all the other stuff, because technically it doesn't belong to anyone, right? Ah says, that seems kind of wrong, and Xander calls dibs on the rowing machine.
1: <laughs> Xander, Just then, sell that stuff so you can pay rent to your parents. <laughs> <Yeah. right? laughs> eBay, Xander.
2: Or
0: maybe, maybe sell the shit and get your own place. Yeah. Just then, Giles arrives with weapons, ready to fight the evil. feels awful about what he said. Knows he should be urging Buffy to forge ahead independently, but maybe not right now. He's there. So shall they find the evil and fight it together? (laughs) Great. Buffy and the others keep walking. The evil's this way? No, her dorm. Willow tries to get Giles to help with the boxes she's carrying, and Xander asks, College. Still scary? Nah, college is shaping up to feel a lot like high school, and Buffy can handle that. Because then, at least, she knows what to expect. Which, of course, is when we see that she has no idea what to expect one of the vampires who got away being tased and captured by three army soldiers the initiative which oh i am gonna save my rant on them for another day oh yeah
2: (laughs) yeah we could we could do a whole side episode about the initiative
0: v yeah a few final things about this episode this was the first season premiere without charisma or david Yep. We all know why, but yes. still sadness. Also, this was the first episode filmed in the widescreen format. Oh. Of course, just because the episodes were filmed that way does not mean they were ever intended to be shown that way. <laughs> but streaming platforms kind of ruined that. And that is The Freshman.
1: Oh. Yay. Yay! We have the first appearance of one of my bitch noir of this series, uh, Giles's Giant Ass Sweaters
2: yes that yes
1: like olivia got in there for warmth to stretch them out
2: yes yes
1: i don't understand it it's it's interesting that now we like almost never see him in a suit for the rest of this season and of course like he was wearing tweed i need to know if anthony had ever had a heat stroke in <laughs> <Southern> California <laughs> How, wearing yeah. suits when everybody else was like in shorts and tank tops and short skirts yeah um But yeah, these 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 fucking sweaters, man, they're like what I was wearing throughout the pandemic when it was really, really bad. (laughs) Yeah. You know, no hard pants, just sweats. And I understand it's part of his fuck it, man, phase of this season. Yeah, I like how I like how you could see
2: um, past Helpless when he was booted off the council. You could see the the like the process of him not giving a fuck.
1: Yeah, like wearing he like a sports jacket instead he, of the tweed.
2: Yeah, like he would look like he would lose the jacket. His tie would be looser. He would, you know, he wouldn't have, he'd still be wearing the tie, but the buttons would be a little undone. Like he, he just, you could see... There are more colors. Yeah, and you could see glimpses of like Giles' personality outside
1: of being mm-hmm. the Slayer. Yeah. But these sweaters, they're like in puce and like a eggplant and yeah. they're just like the grossest shades. And did did someone in the wardrobe just hate him? Because <laughs> he just looks so good in season three. And then it's like, uh no, unless you're in the robe being Hugh Hefner, you're gonna be dressing like you got dressed in the dark.
2: We can't have we can't have Giles be better looking than the young cast members. Pretty
1: much, yeah. It's like how Xander and Willow have to be uh, holding the idiot ball sometimes when they're yeah. on the show of Buffy in order to make Briley look like he's the professional yeah. and they're the amateurs. Yeah, even though they've been doing this longer than him, and uh, it's just you know I, I hate I hate shilling for a new character at the expense of established characters that really could use the arc time.
2: Yeah, yeah, I love I, but you know what I say? Like even every friend group, sometimes you give up the brain
1: cell. it's true it Mm -hmm. is true i have to bring up the class protector award yes because i i really hope someone found the right glue uh because that means so much to me that little award Mm -hmm. um the prom is the episode that makes me cry and i almost never cry over movies and tv it has to be like the perfect mixture of like catharsis for me so it has to be Happiness with sadness. It has to be anger with forgiveness. It has to be a mixture of things. People just dying doesn't do it for me. It's like it's too sad. Like I watch. This is a very. I know you should never compare anything to the Holocaust. I'm aware, but I. You watch Schindler's List, and it's just person suffering the entire time. And it's, but it's also like a bit like something that the creator would do. It's interspersed Mm with a lot of humor and humanity as well as the pathos and the, oh my God, just this is like the most extreme thing you could watch in terms of despair. But the scene that gets me is at the end of the survivors giving Oscar Schindler the ring that they made mm-hmm. and him getting so emotional over it, how he could have done more. He could have supposedly saved everybody if he just like completely given up the the game. And so it should be, I suppose the people dying that sets me off, but no, it's the um, it's the moment of gratitude
3: mm-hmm. and
1: relief that it's somewhat over, and the feeling of guilt and everything, and it's the object that means so much. So that moment of her getting that award, like it's, it starts me off right. Of uh, is Buffy Summers here? We're not friends. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, the on. whole
2: thing. Like and <laughs> and also it's it's acknowledgement for Buffy mm-hmm. because she never really thought that people knew what she was doing. Yeah. So it was an acknowledgement that they didn't have a great understanding of what mm-hmm. she was doing, but they knew that she was there. Yeah. And yeah, like the minute the minute Jonathan gets up on stage. Yeah. It cuz it's it's a very Every real, moment. it's a very real moment and it's yeah. like one of those things where it could happen in real life. Uh-huh. You know, somebody getting an award for yeah, doing something and not expecting it.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I, I never cried at passion. I never cried at the body. I I'm sorry. It's like, it's too sad. So I just, I can't even process. It's like a million is statistic versus one person is a tragedy. Mm -hmm. It's that kind of thing. It's like, it's condensing it down to this moment of her friends are so happy for her. Giles is so proud when he takes the parasol from her and says every now and then, people surprise you yeah just like i had no idea on mass could be gracious that and then she gets her perfect dance and everything that's what really means so much to me and for a couple of episodes later for that thing to be insignificant like for me it was a tuesday to sunday it's just like an object
2: yeah and like and and but the thing like the thing that i loved is the fact that she took that with her That it did, it meant so much to her. She wanted to see
1: that every day. That she
2: took that with her when she went to college. Mm -hmm.
0: Because you know that means everything Mm to her.
1: Yeah. You do.
0: All right. (laughs) That is it for this week. Thank you all for listening. And thank you, Caroline. Thank you, Caroline.
1: You're welcome. I love being here. You guys are amazing. Thank you. You're amazing for wanting to be here with us on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Yeah. Almost three hours. Yep, I, I'm, I'm a kind of random person. Uh, never met you guys in real we life. Love no, we love it, and we love it. It really does. It really does make us feel good.
0: It does. It that does. somebody, yeah.
1: somebody
2: who doesn't know us, appreciates it. Like that feels
0: no social obligation. To yeah, to us we because
2: we like for the most part, like we know our friends listen to it. My husband listens, so we know like because they they feel obligated. <laughs> To support us. So, yes, thank you so much. We're so glad that you wanted to come on and talk with us.
0: Yay. Make sure to join us next time when we take on Season 4, Episode 2, Living Conditions. Until then, check, us, check out all our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or write to us directly at Stories at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.